With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The cows. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade and for another broadcast. Hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, October 8th, 2015. So I have been told. We should be here uh, tomorrow. Book club study session number six, Katrina, after the flood. Uh, I think we will hit the halfway point. Uh, we are totally done with the storm part of the book. Uh, it actually gets into the year 2006 and what they're doing to continue with the process of rebuilding and deciding uh, whom will be allowed to come back to New Orleans to rebuild and all of that. Just getting more details about uh, how New Orleans lost 100,000 of its black citizens uh, that is measuring now as opposed to where things were pre-Katrina how that happened and a lot of the other details about what race soldiers did uh, to black folks in southern Louisiana after uh, all the cameras and what have you uh, turned away people weren't really looking paying attention what happened for over the last 10 years uh, number 6 study session number 6 tomorrow Katrina after the flood normal broadcast time 8pm eastern 5 p.m. Pacific. The broadcast for today, and again, Neely Fuller Jr., uh, at the top of the program. You can check out his counter-racist material. Uh, if you need a book or books, Word Guide, his regular code book, feel free, feel free to uh, visit his website, ProduceJustice.com. That's it broadcast for today I think one of our listeners in Florida I tell folks uh, to be alert uh, paying attention to uh, you know lots of things going around uh, a lot of times right in our own vicinity our own backyard as it were local national global in terms of the system of racism white supremacy so our listener he was just looking out and he saw this uh, organization uh, working in his area uh, in South Florida uh, and he said hey you should maybe see if you can get uh, this individual on the program I've been seeing where they've been doing a lot of work uh, talking about racism talking about things to try to uh, help black people see if you can get them on the program I said uh, we will do he agreed and uh, should be with us this evening uh, for our guest if you're on the line if you could press star six that way I can pick out your respective line star six and then press one. Thank you kindly. Star six and then one. Uh, our guest for the evening, uh, he's been on Press TV, many other outlets, uh, talking about the problem, the system of white supremacy racism. I think his most recent uh, Press TV appearance was just a few weeks back this summer. 
uh, after the Charleston, South Carolina massacre, uh, Dylan Roof, a uh, suspected race soldier, uh, went and shot up a whole church full of black people. Uh, he was on to talk about it uh, and saying that this is just another element of a long-running war uh, against black people uh, and that that is the context uh, in which we should evaluate uh, these events. Uh, I guess he's also, uh, after I invited him to the program, he's familiar uh, with the cows, checked out some of our previous work, uh, even found out, I think, that both of us have publicly articulated uh, problems concerns that we have, uh, the dangers of Timothy Wise. I think people who listen to this program uh, know we've had Mr. Wise on the program and outlined uh, what I see uh, him not working to end racism, but other things. Uh, in addition to all of that, uh, our guest is part of the African People's Solidarity Committee and chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Com uh, Movement. The Uhuru Solidarity Movement. Um, they are working specifically to aid <coughs> African people worldwide uh, to get reparations. We'll get them to we'll get him to explain that in detail, what all that involves and what exactly they are doing, what they have been doing, what they look to be doing, what projects they have uh, in the future uh, to combat the problem of white supremacy and to aid black people. As I said, real pleasure to have him on the program to get more details and just think we could share a bit of his Thursday evening with us. Joining us live, Mr. Jesse Neville. Uh, let's see if I can pick out exactly which line we have here. Uh, see if I got the right one here. Is this Mr. Neville? Yes, thank you so much. Outstanding. Thank you uh, for sharing a bit of your time with us this evening, Mr. Neville. Uh, for our audience, uh, this might be their first time hearing from you. Uh, just if you could give any background information, anything that you think would be uh, important for people to know about who you are and the work you do before we get started. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I just want to once again express my appreciation to you and this program and say that it's, uh, it's an honor to be on this program with you today. And uh, I really appreciate that you've asked me to come on to on behalf of the African People's Solidarity Committee and the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. And uh, as you mentioned, the African People's Solidarity Committee is an organization of white people that works under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, which is uh, more popularly known as the Uhuru Movement, Uhuru meaning freedom in Swahili. And uh, we work under the leadership of the Uhuru Movement and the leader of the Uhuru Movement, Chairman Omali Yeshatela. And the Uhuru Movement formed the African People's Solidarity Committee to work under its leadership to go back into the white community and for us white people to organize other white people to take a stand in solidarity with the struggle of African people, black people inside this country and all throughout the world for liberation and self-determination. And our work in the white community revolved around uh, reparations because we believe that white people, white society, the U.S. and Europe owe reparations to African people for hundreds of years of slavery and oppression that continues to this day and which continues to benefit every single white person on this planet. So I just want to recognize uh, the leadership of the Uhuru Movement uh, Chairman Amalia Shatella, and just make clear that 
all of the ideas that I expressed to you on this program today, it would have been impossible for me to come to these conclusions on my own. It has only been possible for, for my brain to contain this worldview because I have learned from and worked under the leadership of Chairman O'Malley Shatella and his political philosophy, which is called African internationalism, which guides all of the work of the, the Uhuru movement, including the Solidarity Movement. Right on. And uh, we'll look to get as much detail about that and, and what you all have been able to accomplish, which you all are, as I said, working on for the future uh, during the course of the broadcast. Um, for listeners, uh, you have photos and what have you. As I said, you've been on press TV and other outlets. Uh, for people who have not seen you, um, you are a white person. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Um, this program, and I know you all have a uh, different definition, but I always enjoy, I always think it's very important to get uh, definitions and terms uh, as clear as possible, particularly when discussing uh, these important issues. Uh, on this program, I use the terms white supremacy and racism. Uh, I use those two terms mm -hmm. as synonyms, and I use the same definition for both terms. Uh, that definition is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they have classified as not white. Uh, do you think such a system exists? Do you think that definition is accurate? Oh, certainly. Certainly, I think that that definition is accurate and um, the way that, that the Uhuru movement and uh, Chairman Amali Shatella, you know, explains the issue of racism is that that system, that idea that you're talking about is an ideology that white people created to justify colonialism. And uh, if you look at the writings of, of Chairman Amali and the African People's Socialist Party and other leaders of the party, um, it's through the issue of colonialism that the Uhuru movement really focuses on colonialism being a world system uh, where one group of people, one nation of people, in this white case people. white people, Europeans, uh, exploit and oppress an entire other nation of people, in this case African people and other colonized and oppressed nations throughout the world. And that this is, this is a social, economic, military, political, cultural system of colonial oppression. And... It was created by human hands, and it can be destroyed with human hands. And the ideas that were invented to justify this social system are these ideas of white supremacy and racism um, that uh, you know that we encounter today. So this is the way that that the Uhuru movement understands it, and calls on white people to to really go beyond. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Tim Wise, but one of the things that distinguishes the work that we do is that. You know, we, the, the party has called upon us to go beyond simply unlearning racism, unlearning our own racist ideas, that even if we accomplish that, even if a white person somehow succeeds in eradicating every last racist thought from our brain, we still benefit in a material sense from the oppression of black people. We still go home to our communities and experience our reality while Africans are getting gunned down in the streets of this country every single day. So the social system itself has to be has to be destroyed and we have to do more than just change the ideas in our heads as white people. 
we have to stand for African liberation and black power. That's what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, I hope our listener uh, down in Florida, uh, listeners, period, I hope are able to call in if you all have uh, questions based on the discussion with uh, Mr. Neville, uh, and then specifically our caller in Florida uh, who uh, was seeing what you all were doing down in South Florida. I uh, hope he's able to call in as well to get a question and maybe he can share what what uh, projects or what have you he uh, he first learned about uh, you and, and the work that you're doing. Um, before we start, one of the things I've been trying to ask as many of our white guests as possible uh, when they mm-hmm. come on the program, there was a report that came out right at the end of uh, 2014 um, the author he was talking about racism a non-white author he was talking about racism and he got to a specific point and this is the sentence that he wrote he said white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism but rarely are they pained enough and I've been trying to ask white people the first portion of that sentence uh, do you think it's true the first portion it says white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism do you think that that is a true statement uh, well that's, that's an interesting question I mean I think that um, you know there's a really profound opportunism in the white community and it is really easy and convenient for us to not feel the pain or not feel any sympathy or solidarity with the pain that most of the people on the planet have to go through uh, in order for us to experience the lifestyle that we expect for ourselves and our families. So I think generally speaking, um, it's a totally different reality, and white people generally live almost in like a parallel universe where we we see things in a, com- in a completely false way because of this different relationship that we have to the social system. I remember uh, that after the um, acquittal of George Zimmerman for the murder of Trayvon Martin, there was a statistic that came out that said 30% of the white population was outraged by the acquittal of George Zimmerman. And, you know, that's less than half, um, but that's still 30%. And the point of the organization I'm a part of is that we make it our mission to find every person that constitutes that 30%. Say, if you're one of those people that is experiencing uh, some horror, some outrage at what this system is doing to African people and other oppressed peoples in our name and for our benefit every single day, then, you know, we have to distinguish ourselves from this massive block of complicity that, uh, unfortunately, characterizes the majority of of the white population. Hmm. I'm not sure I got an answer to my question, and that that is one thing I make a uh, request. That's one thing I've noted in many conversations on racism, and I would say particularly when talking with white people in terms of clarity, uh, them not white yes. people not answering questions, and I think a lot of times that's done deliberately uh, as a means to consciously practice racism so that we don't get clarity about what things are. I'm not really sure I got an answer to the question, do you think oh, well, the statement I, is true or I not? I apologize for that. Okay. I apologize. I'll, let me, I'll restate the uh, statement. White people yes, are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism. Do you think that's true or false? False. False. Okay. Great. Appreciate that. Uh, and keeping my running tally, because it's been close to a year, I said that statement came out at the end of 2014. 
uh, right now, most of the white people that we've had on the program and asked, and at this point it's over, it's in double digits, uh, most of them have said that they think that statement is false. Uh, and I've said consistently, the reason I keep asking uh, is because this statement uh, was in The Atlantic, which is a prominent journal, tons of readers, lots of people saw that statement, and I've concluded that's one of the main problems is that we have a lot of inaccurate information that has mm-hmm. infected, contaminated the way that most people think about what racism is and how it works. Mm-hmm. And specifically, uh, it promotes a false understanding of what it means to be white. I would say just that right there, thinking that most white people or a significant number of white people are generally concerned about black people suffering from racism is totally False, And there's no evidence, in my opinion, to support such a position. Uh, And when you start with positions that are so incorrect, in my view, it it totally hampers your ability to solve this problem. Uh, That statement, I typically don't attach it to who it is because I don't want that to impact people being truthful about, you know, whether or not this statement is is correct. Uh, Tamahasi Coates, black author, uh, that is his statement from an article that he published at the end of 2014. Um, he, his, he, I think he just got a Guggenheim fellowship, uh, excuse me, a MacArthur grant, one of the MacArthur genius, uh, grants, which I think is like a half million dollars, uh, over a five year period to continue his work, uh, his book, uh, between the world and me, it was on president Obama's, uh, reading list, uh, for the summer, uh, just tons of accolades. I think he just got nominated for a book of the year. I have no problem with that at all. He's doing what he's doing. I think he has written a lot of accurate uh, correct information about racism, white supremacy. I guess number one, would you dispute that it seems like Tanahasi Coates gets has been getting a lot of attention over the past year? The report on reparations, and I think he had a more recent report that just came out on uh, Patrick Moynihan. Uh, would you dispute that that he? It seems like he's getting a lot of attention, a lot of focus on his work. No, I wouldn't dispute that. Okay, why do you think? Uh, and I'm of the opinion, if if we are in a system of white supremacy, that powerful white people are allowing him to get a lot of attention and really heavily promoting his work. Why do you think that they're doing that? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, I think um, part of it is because his article um, sort of narrows down the question to, if I remember correctly, a question of the uh, real estate market and housing and uh, he sort of suggests that the oppression of African people has uh, continued in this country, that it was once really bad, and now it's not as bad, but it still continues in the form of redlining and real estate and housing-based oppression, um, which is a statement that, or an implication that I would certainly disagree with. I think that the oppression of African people, if anything, has increased the rate of the oppression of African people has increased and, and permeates every single aspect of life for for African people in this country. Um, and the issue of reparations has been one that the African liberation movement, as I'm, as I'm sure you and your listeners are aware, have promoted, have, you know, raised up as a mass demand going back uh, several decades now. Um, Queen Mother uh, Moore and the uh, very, you know, in COBRA and other coalitions, the, the Uhuru movement held a reparations tribunal in 1982 in Brooklyn, New York. There have been many organizations that have raised up the demand for reparations for, for many, many years. 
So I think that the presentation of the question was was done in a sort of abstract and academic way that perhaps was uh, more palatable, less challenging to to white readers. I'm not sure exactly, but that would be that would be something I would I would think might have something to do with it. Huh. I will have to ponder on that. <laughs> I will uh I'll ask listeners to ponder on that as well. I'm gonna try to ask more of our our white guests uh sure. that question in the future. Uh thank you for the response, Mr. Uh, Mr. Neville. Um okay, though, no let's get uh specifically to uh your work and, and how you got involved in all this. I forgot to ask, is it okay if I ask how old you are? Sure. Okay. How old are you? I am twenty five. Twenty five, okay that Seem at least to me seems uh, kind of young. Um, how did you? Or I guess even before I get to how you got involved in all this, kind of what was your a brief snapshot? What was your white childhood like before you got involved with all this? My uh, white childhood was uh, quite white. Um, I'm I'm from Miami, so um, and you know attended mostly white schools. And generally, uh, was exposed primarily to a white worldview. And it was, um, actually only through being exposed to the culture of African people that I started to understand that there was a whole other world. There was a whole other reality, uh, taking place outside this little fantasy land that I had been raised in, um, throughout my childhood and what I had been taught. Uh, you know, I had teachers that taught how great Christopher Columbus was for discovering America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm very grateful that I, I was able to come under the leadership of the African Liberation Movement and to begin to break through this, uh, these blinders that were imposed on me as a result of that upbringing. And if you had to... I guess give a brief description because you said you grew up, you kind of had the white world view. What is the yeah. white world view, and particularly the white world view as it relates to black people? Well, I mean, the white world view is very self-centered. Um, you know, we, we are taught that we are good, that we are the best, that we have everything we have because we have a superior intelligence or a superior morality um, and that, you know, there's the good part of town and there's the bad part of town. There's the good side of the tracks. There's the bad side. There's the first world. There's the third world. I mean, everything we're taught in everything in the language and the culture and the education system, everything is designed to reinforce this absolutely absurd notion that white people are superior. Um, we're not taught that, African people and indigenous people had magnificent civilizations for thousands of years before white people in Europe had even mastered fire. You know, we're not taught about the, the plague that wiped out over a third of the European population in 40 years or the fact that white people lived in feudalism for, uh, for centuries before we, you know, ventured out of Europe to assault and enslave uh, and oppress Africa and the rest of the world. Uh, we're given a completely reverse version, a completely upside-down version of history of how things got to be the way they are. 
Um, and that is really, it permeates everything. It permeates everything that, that white people are taught and that everyone that is unfortunately subject to a white power controlled education system is forced to learn. Hmm. Uh, growing up in Florida, I get, you said you're 25, so I guess this would be like the nineties, two thousands, early two thousands. Um, were you hearing like explicitly racist comments about black people or racist jokes? Uh, were you getting any sort of direct language like that from either like family members, classmates, teachers, whomever else you were around uh, in that time in, in Southern Florida? Certainly. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, at that before, before you, you know, got involved with all the, the work that you're doing now, um, one of our guests, Matthew Fry Jacobson, uh, when he was on the program, he said that and he's a white person. He said, uh, in his view, the question is not if you are a white person or you're a racist. The question is, how do you practice racism uh, in terms of applying that to yourself? I guess, number one, do you think that statement is accurate? And then number two, if you do think it's accurate, uh, how would that apply to your life? Looking at your time on this planet, uh, what are some of the ways that you practice racism, if you think that statement's true? I'm not sure if I understand the statement, if you wouldn't mind re repeating the, the initial statement. Absolutely. This is uh, Matthew Fry Jacobson. He's a white man, professor, author. Uh, his statement is, uh, in his view, if you are white, mm -hmm. the question is not, are you racist? The question is, how do you practice racism? Mm -hmm. And so the question again okay. is, do you think that, that his statement, do you think that that statement is accurate? And then if you do, if you could apply it to yourself, if you could tell us you know, any of the ways that you have practiced racism, if you think that that statement is true. I wouldn't agree with the phrasing of that statement because, um, as I mentioned earlier, the understanding that, understanding that I have uh being under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and the worldview of Chairman Omala Shetela is that racism is an ideology. Racism is a set of ideas that justify colonialism. And white people, we participate in colonialism all the time, uh, whether through uh, our active participation in the form of supporting the police or, uh, you know, sending... $500,000 to George Zimmerman or Darren Wilson after they were uh, found, you know, after they murdered an African or supporting the military, anything like that. But also through our silence and through our complicity, we uh, participate in our agents of colonialism. So if you, if you would change the, the uh, sentence to um, what is important is not whether we think racist thoughts, but that we practice colonialism, then I would agree with that statement. And I hope that that was, that was clear, that that made sense. Right. And recalling, not verbatim, but recalling when you shared earlier, I gave you my definition and then you gave uh, your definition about colonialism. Um, my definition for racism, white supremacy, your definition for colonialism, uh, those two definitions, they seemed pretty close in terms of what we're articulating is happening on the planet where the one group, white people, they are waging war and dominating uh, all of the people on right. the planet. Uh, you all use the term African. 
I'm saying black, same thing. Uh, the non-white people, right. particularly black people, dominating them in all areas of people act, uh, all areas of people activity. You said economic system, a cultural system, a social system. You can run down the whole thing: a political system, a legal system right. to dominate and abuse. So we're saying pretty close to the same thing. Uh, in that, in what you just said, um, are there specific examples, things that you can think of? Uh, before you started all this work or even afterwards uh, where it's more specific in terms of things that you've done where you can think of, I can say, yeah, that was a point where I was directly practicing racism, what you call colonialism. Are there specific things that you can think of throughout your, your life as a white person? Well, uh, I would say that every uh, activity that I engaged in as a white person was an act that supported colonialism or racism, um, as you would call it, uh, because even something as seemingly innocent as getting up in the morning and, you know, getting dressed, brushing my teeth, whatever, is it's only something that's possible because I live as a white person in a country, in a social system that was literally built on the enslavement of black people and on land that was uh, that was stolen at gunpoint from the indigenous people of this land. I mean, even the cell phone that I'm using to speak with you on right now is an iPhone uh, created with a mineral called coltan. Sixty percent of the world's coltan is taken from the Congo, where 11 million black people have been murdered by white power uh, in the last decade or so. So I think you know every ac- action um, that that I engaged in throughout my life was one that that found me in complicity with the oppression of black people that is completely fundamentally woven into the experience of whiteness. That's why the only way forward is for white people to, to break our allegiance to that social system and to take an active stand in solidarity with the struggle African people take back their their labor, their minerals, their coltan, their resources, their future, their self-determination, and as well as the indigenous people of this land, and to, you know, to raise up the banner of reparation, to say reparations are owed, not just from the banks or from the corporations, but from every white person. Every single white person owes reparations to, to the black community. Have, uh, I guess, either before you started doing this work or, or after since, uh, have any black people, any non-white people, period, ever uh, accused you or suspected that you were uh, practicing racism? I, I do not know. I Probably. I have like, no idea. Have they ever verbalized it to you? Like, do you recall a time where, where a black person or non-white person, period, um said something that suggested that they thought you might have been practicing racism, which you call participating in colonialism? You don't recall a time where they said that to you directly or verbalized anything like that? Uh, no, much more frequently I would be accused of being a self-hating white person or being racist against white people. That's something that I would hear much more often. Um, but, you know, one of the things, I mean, one of the things that's really important about being under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party is that as a white person, you know, in an organization of white people, our opportunism is exposed. Our colonial 
behaviors and, and attitudes and, and arrogance and everything that comes with being white is totally exposed. It doesn't go unchecked. So uh, in a certain way, um, being under the leadership of the party uh, makes it possible, you know, I, I constantly have to be in a struggle with my own white opportunism and with my own white, uh, you know, colonial position in this world. To be under the leadership of the African Revolution, it, it totally wrenches me out of this place in the world that that I've been accustomed to for the majority of my life. So I think, you know, for any white person that, that wants to take responsibility for the fact that um, every dream that we have, every aspiration, every, you know, oh, I want to go to college, I want to write a symphony, whatever, is a participation in colonialism or is something that is made possible at the expense of African people to be under the leadership of the oppressed and the enslaved fighting for the liberation is the only way that we can finally just face that head on, face it in all its ugliness and take responsibility for it. Mm. Um, just to me, um, what you just shared, um, yes. it's not logical uh, because even being in this organization, even being a part of the African People's Solidarity Committee, and under being under the leadership of the uh, Uhuru movement, where you're constantly uh, you're working on behalf of African people globally, and as you say, you're you're getting checked, so to speak, uh, where people are letting you know you all know, not even just you individually, but all of the other white people, assume, presumably that you're working with, uh, to let you know if if you're slipping into your colonial, racist, white supremacist ways and what have you. All of that is still happening within the power system of white supremacy mm -hmm. colonialism as you say uh that your involvement in this organization has not disrupted the global power dynamic uh that the white collective has and <laughs> your access and participation in that power system it in my view is not offset by that at all <laughs> there's nothing about this organization uh that is shifting uh the balance of power on this planet it seems uh like so I've, I've heard other white people say things similar to that and uh i mean if we're in my view just being truthful in terms of the power dynamics that we're dealing with that's that's not being changed at all um if unless you want to respond unless i'm talking crazy if i'm saying something that's not logical or accurate feel free to to let me know well I, i'm not i'm not sure how familiar you are with the work of the african people's socialist party um, but if you go to uhurunews.com, u-h-u-r-u-news.com, you can read a lot more about the work of the party and its international organizations, the African Socialist International Worldwide. And the goal, you see, this, the Uhuru movement and the African People's Socialist Party is not concerned with ending racist ideas in the heads of white people. It is concerned with destroying white power, destroying imperialism, destroying colonialism, destroying it, bringing it down. 100%. It's gone. It's dead. It no longer exists. So even if a white person is running around with a racist thought in their head, if they attempt to raise a finger to harm an African person, they will meet the full wrath mm -hmm. of African self-determination and black power. So the goal of the Uhuru movement is self-determination and power in the hands of African people over their own lot. And the Uhuru movement has organizations that span continents, that span the United States, as well as Europe, the Bahamas, Africa, 
party uh, representatives have just returned from a major conference in Russia, raising up the uh, struggle of African people as part of the worldwide struggle against imperialism and white power, and is involved right now in campaigning the United Nations to charge the United States government with the crime of genocide against African people in this country. So shifting the power dynamic of uh, the uh, global system is precisely the number one objective of the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhura Movement, which whose goal is to liberate and unify Africa and African people worldwide. That okay. is. I, I just uh, I want to hop in. I just want to hop in real quick. My apologies for the interruption, sure. just because it it it, did, it has your responses moved away from what I originally said, and you didn't. Your response didn't refute anything that I said about this group is not more powerful than the system of white supremacy. Their goal might be to change that. Their goal might be uh, to empower black people. And, and so we don't have to deal with that. We don't have to be under the foot of domination of white folks, colonialists, uh, as you all would say, but that's not the case. Now uh, they do not have more power. And I just, I don't understand how, how this organization would offset you or any other white person uh, who's involved in the group. And, is practicing participating in racism, white supremacy. I don't understand how that would be checked uh, by being in your group, or you would have to uh, confront your own whiteness uh, and involvement, complicity in all this. I don't. Right. I just am not. It's it's not making sense. And your response did not, <laughs> unless I'm missing it. Listeners, you can feel free to to let me know if I just missed it. But your response it, it seemed to totally move away from oh, sure. what I said in the question. Um, what what exactly happened in your life to get you involved with all of this in the first place? Like, at what point, whatever happened where you said, wow, I think I want to be a part of African People's Solidarity Committee and, and work on behalf of black people? I, I would be happy to answer that, although I do want to clarify that I think my personal story is not very extraordinary. There's nothing special about me. I'm one of many people that was, was able to hear this message and uh, take a stand. But I, I do want to address um, the question that you suggested I had left unanswered from your previous question, if that's okay, regarding the, the role of the solidarity uh, if, movement within all strategy. If, if you can do it briefly, and, and I would prefer if you could just be as, as direct as possible <laughs> with things, Absolutely. that would be great. Yeah, feel free. Yes. Um, the... The uh, the work of the solidarity movement under the leadership of the party is not primarily one in which we are investigating our own white supremacist ideas or uh, doing unlearning racism workshops or anything like that. Our work on the ground is primarily around raising resources to support the programs and the struggle of the African People's Socialist Party and the struggle for black revolution. And that's why we say we believe in reparations, because white people will throw millions of dollars at some charity organization, but we're saying that white people need to give up the money to reparations, because that money belongs to African people. Every resource in the white community belongs to African people. So our organization is uh, has a strategy that it raises uh, money every year, $20,000 a year. We're building the Days in Solidarity with African people right now. And our work is held accountable uh, Mr. based Neville, on the actual uh, work that I we did, do in the world. 
Mr. Neville, I did since I did ask if you could be as direct as possible, yes. and that still yes. is not really <laughs> refuting anything that I said in my question. If you could just move to the next question, that would be great because I'm I'm still not really getting anything that has offset what I said in my question, and it still to me seems like it's it's moving away even from what I asked uh, originally in terms about you specifically. So if you could if you could just move to the next question in terms of because to me. You personally, how you got involved in all of this as a white person, that is very interesting to me. I don't, I don't to me, that is not something mm-hmm. that's just ho-hum. Uh, there's nothing remarkable about that at all. That's something that, to me, definitely right. wor- is, is worthy of scrutiny, and I would be interested to hear. So if you could let us know how you got involved uh, with this and, and what exactly transpired specifically that led to this transformation. Sure. I attended an event where I heard... Chairman Omali Ishtala of the African People's Socialist Party speak, mm-hmm. and that was where I became a member. When, and what, what year was it this? Was, this was in the year 2010. 2010, okay, about five years ago. So you heard him speak, yeah. and had you been like studying these issues, thinking about racism, or what, what was the context, if you recall? I was a student, and I had... Uh, and interested in uh, how I could play a role in ending the oppression of African people that I had seen around me uh, in this country. And it was meeting the Uhuru movement and seeing Chairman Amalia Chattel speak and learning about the incredible history of this organization uh, going back to 1972 when it was first founded and all of the amazing work that the Uhuru movement has done over its 40-plus years of, of uh, existence to defend the rights of African people to resist and have self-determination. That was what hooked me and inspired me to sign up and become involved and learn what I could do as a white person to show my solidarity with the African liberation struggle. Hmm. That is amazing. Did you get other white people in your life, either family members or friends, whomever, uh, did you get any pushback? Like, what What are you doing? What are you What are you talking about? Joining this Uhuru movement and going to, to work mm-hmm. to, to help black people? Did you get pushback? Like, this is crazy. You shouldn't be doing this. You're in violation of your duties as a white man. Um, from some people, yes. There was some, some pushback, some reaction from some people. Hmm. Fascinating. So you join yes. this, you join this organization, and uh, I guess you're as you're working on behalf to try to get resources and what have you for Black people. I think you said previously in your response that you all uh, work, I think, annually to get about twenty thousand dollars per year. I guess is that is that a goal? Is that a minimum uh, in terms of getting financial resources to try to help Black people? It's a minimum at this point because we owe at least $14 trillion for the cost of slave labor alone. Uh, and also, it is, to, to, it is reparations. It's not simply helping. It is, it is an expression of our unity with that reparations are owed to African people. So mm-hmm. it's not an act of charity. It's an act of reparations. Right, right. Wow. Twenty. My initial response when I heard the, the $20,000 was, uh, and given the context of what you just said, um, and even when I look at, since you mentioned uh, George Zimmerman before and uh, yeah, Darren yeah. Wilson, 
uh, even since mm-hmm. it's October, and I saw Thomas in New York. Daniel Holtzclaw's trial is right. coming up, former enforcement officer in Oklahoma. Uh, his trial is coming up later this month. Even he uh, got almost $10,000 in a matter of days, and this is someone who's been accused of raping more than a dozen black females, and black females exclusively. Uh, when I first heard that figure, yeah. I thought, wow, that is like chump change. Uh, that is, I mean, right. $20,000, that is... That is nothing, uh, as you said, either in the context of what is owed, what has been stolen uh, through centuries right. by whites, uh, and or in the context of just what white people demonstrate on a regular basis to support accused rapists and killers of black children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Huh. All right. <laughs> just making sure on the same page. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of uh, our listeners uh, would hearing this, hearing, you know, what you've, what you've shared in the first portion of the program, uh, and just seeing that there are other white people, uh, like you would hear this and would have a lot of suspicion, uh, and say, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I've seen this sort of thing before. Uh, I remember people that are students mm-hmm. of history, students for democratic society, or, uh, people like Tom Watson oh, yeah. back in Georgia in the, at the turn of the 20th century, who even took up guns, uh, to say, Hey, we were mm-hmm. unifying poor white people and poor black people. Uh, and then after a short period of time, eh, we've had enough of that. We're going back to just stomping on black people, <laughs> forget the niggers, leave them right. off. Totally takes an about face and just goes back to practicing racism. There are a ton of, white, uh, excuse me, a ton of black people, non-white people, myself included, uh, who would have a extraordinary level of suspicion and would say, I just, uh, I don't trust individuals, white people like Mr. Neville. I think they have, uh, ulterior yeah. motives, uh, to come in and, and, and try to either spy, uh, do recon and get information on these black people, derail things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I, I do not trust this at all. Uh, number one, do you think that that skepticism, that suspicion is logical, justified? Well, based on the behavior of white people historically, of course. Oh, okay. And what would your response be to to the suspicion uh, to in terms of how you would how you would respond and, and what you would say what your role has been, what your work has been for the last five years to anyone who, who has that sort of criticism? The thing that I would respond with, uh, and I've heard uh, Chairman Amala Chitella also respond to a similar question um, in terms of trusting white people, that it's really not about trust. Um, there's no reason to trust white people. Um, the thing that differentiates the African People's Solidarity Com- uh, Committee from SDS or the Weather Underground or ev- any of these other so-called white radical organizations of the past that spoke, you know, a big game about supporting the black liberation movement, but then when uh, when it all came down, they their their true allegiances were exposed. The major difference is that our organization is a part of the African People's Socialist Party. We are under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. Everything that we do is held accountable to the the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, and we are a part of the strategy of the party to extend the struggle for African liberation into the heart of the oppressor's society that Chairman Amali Shetela described as black power and white faith that we go back into the white community and we tell white people the truth about our history and what we've done and what we have to do to move forward. So the leadership of the party and the strategy of the party, that's what 
you know, that's what's to be trusted, not white people. We are a part of the strategy of the party. Huh. Is is part of the strategy um, that you all are operating on? Because you said you, uh, in terms of, of what you and other white people who are attempting to be allies to Africans, uh, it, it seems to me from what you just said that that strategy seems to be based on getting uh, white people like yourself to go back and work with other white people to inform them about what has been done, the war that has been waged uh, against black people globally and what we should be doing to try to stop that. That seems to be at least part of the strategy based on what you just shared. Am I in error? No, that is, that is completely correct. Okay, okay. Um, do you think that white people, and I'm not talking about the white people in your organization, just white people collectively, the, the normal white people who are not doing what you're doing, uh, do you think normal mm-hmm. white people, uh, they... They are ignorant. Do you think the problem is that they are just not informed about racism, uh, either things that have been done before in history to lead up to this uh, and or current uh, machinations of how racism, white supremacy operates and how they're culpable in all of this? Do you think that white people are just not informed about all of this? No, I don't. I don't think that uh, there's any excuse for it. If there is ignorance, it's ignorance that is born of convenience because there is ample opportunities to learn the truth. So the ignorance that we have in the white community, it's convenient for us to not see what's happening right before our eyes or right in the next neighborhood over or in another country to benefit us. Okay. Um, I've heard that articulated in that manner before uh, convenient uh, ignorance or, or willful ignorance, various uh, permutations of how that gets articulated in terms of, uh, that, as you said, there's no excuse for white people not to know. I have, uh, however, have, have taken a different position. I have concluded that white people, uh, they're very informed uh, about these things. It's been my experience in terms of uh, the history of racism, the current operations of racism, white supremacy, white folks are the right. experts. Uh, the problem is not that they need uh, you or anybody to come and get them a refresher course uh, on what's been done to black. I've just concluded that that's not true. And I would even state that that's also, it seems to me, a, a big part of the problem. Uh, it seems a lot of the people that I've talked to, white and non-white, they typically deliver it a lot more forcefully than you did this assumption this assertion that white people are ignorant and i just nothing could be further from the truth in my opinion um what right. would, what would your response be uh neely fuller jr he's a, a non-white person black male uh, he's written extensively about racism i played a, a clip from his at the beginning uh he has concluded that uh for white people uh, they have made the practice of white supremacy terrorizing black people uh, and having fun doing so, uh, that they have made mm-hmm. this the primary objective, even above resources, uh, collecting material goods, uh, above everything, uh, just having fun, having a grand old time, abusing and terrorizing black people. Uh, do you think that that is accurate? Do you think that that really gets to the core of what we're talking about when you said earlier the white world view? Uh, yes, I would say so. Penny uh, Hess, who is the chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, she wrote a book called Overturning the Culture of Violence, and much of this book is dedicated to exposing the historic glee 
with which the average white person has carried out the most gruesome colonial racial terror and violence and murder against African people in this country, uh, from the slave trade to the lynchings to the convict leasing to, you know, bombing uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, bringing, you know, burning Rosewood to the ground, uh, you know, the lynching of Mary Turner. I mean, the examples of white barbarism against African people are countless, and it has become our culture as white people. There's really nothing else. I mean, white culture is either violence against Africans or something that's been stolen from Africans, some type of, you know, African music or something that's been stolen and perverted into some kind of supposedly white cultural expression. There's really nothing else. That is uh, the culture and identity of white people. And another, yet another reason why our only future is in solidarity with African people and their struggle to overturn that culture of violence and gain self-determination and power. That is the only future for any, any, any of us that want to be part of humanity and not part of this inhumane, barbaric culture that has come to define us uh, since we ventured out of Europe. Hmm. How many, uh, and I'm under the understanding, you can set me straight if I'm, if I'm in error, how many uh, white people are in like the local Florida chapter, uh, the African People's Solidarity Committee? I'm under the understanding that there are like different chapters in other spots. I think you said that before some of that information is online, that there are different chapters, you know, so there are more white people. But yes. just your Florida chapter, how many white people are members? Well, we don't we don't talk about the numbers of the people that are in the organization, but we definitely have a strong presence here in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, where I'm located, and where the Uhuru Movement's headquarters is based and has been for many uh, decades now. And we also have chapters in uh, San Diego, California, in Oakland, California, in Philadelphia, in Seattle, in uh, Chicago, St. Louis and uh, Gainesville, and members in other places, you know, in Alabama, and various other places throughout the country. So we are a small organization, but we are growing. Okay. Um, for And you said the headquarters, since the headquarters is where you are in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, right. You don't have to, if, if exact numbers, like, I'm just trying to get a ballpark, like, if that would be helpful if possible. Like, is it, hmm... Are we talking like more than a thousand people? Like even if they're not all together at the same time, like coming in, coming out, that sort of thing. Uh, is it more than a thousand people? Less than a thousand people? Well, like I said, we we don't disclose numerical information about the organization. Okay, okay, okay. Um, you said it's small but growing, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, what I've seen, and we've we've had white guests on the program before, and just again, just trying to be accurate about what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, the number, if there even are any white people who are for real, we're we're against racism. We want this to end. We're in solidarity with black people. If such white people even exist, I've concluded that they are statistically insignificant. Uh, that there's so few white people that are on this path that I have just concluded it's it's really I would chalk it up it's a waste of time even looking for such okay. individuals if such folks do exist fine great but the overarching pattern the theme really just getting to the essence about what it means to be white is dedication mm-hmm. 
to exactly what you just said with Penny Hess's book, who she is also a white woman, uh, is dedication to racism, yeah. white supremacy. That's what the identity, that's what it means to be white. That's what I've concluded that uh, it's, it's, it's laughable. Uh, it's nonsense uh, out looking or, or trying to round up white converts uh, that are going to put down mm. the mantra of practicing racism, white supremacy. Is, is that logical? Is it logical to take seek out that position. white allies? Yes, sir. Is it logical to take that position and, and specifically even uh, about the what the white identity means uh, in terms mm-hmm. of that really being at the crux of, of why I'm saying I, I just I don't think it makes any sense at all. It's not logical uh, looking for these white people or even making an effort to try to rehabilitate and see if you can get some white people to uh, to come join and participate in activities, even if it's not your group, but things like that. I think uh, that African people will be free with or without the participation of white people. Africans will will have their revolution and will liberate and unify their people, regardless of whether or not white any white person takes uh, the right stand. Um, I also think that it is in the interest, it is in the genuine long-term interest of any white person to support that. This this is another one where it feels like we're deviating for the question because I'm saying specifically white people collectively in mass are totally rejecting that. They're not going to do Mm -hmm. that. They do not see that is not the white worldview and they're not going to alter their worldview to anything close to that. That's what I'm saying. Is that accurate? Is that Mm -hmm. logical based on, on the evidence? That's what I'm asking. I believe that, you know, I, as an organizer in the African People's Solidarity Committee, I have a responsibility to round up every last white person I can that will hear the message. So will that be a majority? Probably not. But will there be white people? I have to assume that there's nothing special about me. If I can hear it, other people can hear it. And the party created this organization. It's an African revolutionary organization has developed the science and the understanding that white people can play a role under their leadership in a strategic way going back I still feel like we're, we're not answering the question though <laughs> you can get all that but I still feel like we have not answered the question just you saying that you feel like you're not special and you have to de- that's fine if you want to include that but we still have not answered the question do, do I feel that there are white people that can be one to uh, solidarity with African people I will, question, I will I will restate the question that I'm saying, white identity, okay. what it means to be white, the white collective, perhaps mm-hmm. even yourself, they have concluded in mass. We totally right. reject any notion of we need to be all in this together with everybody. We need to cooperate and work together with everybody and trash the notion of race and or practicing white supremacy. That is totally rejected. Mm-hmm. White identity, white worldview is about the eternal practice eternal commitment eternal dedication to the practice of white supremacy they are not going to let go you all white people collectively are not going to let go of that idea that theme that as a motivating life force on this planet that that is not going to happen with the vast majority of white people maybe even all white people that that's what it is and that just based on logic 
it is not a constructive investment of time to be invested in this. So the question again, do you think that it's logical to take that stance that just white identity, what it means to be a white person, the vast majority of white people, maybe all of them are going to reject exactly what you're talking about. They're dedicated to the practice of racism. Mr. Neville, are you still with us? Oh, not here. I don't know if he got disconnected. Mr. Neville, you still with us? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Uh, he might have disconnected. We'll see if uh, he chimes back in uh, to ring us. Hopefully, if he just got disconnected, he'll he'll ring us back right back, and we can we can get him on the line here. Do, 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 do. Ah, there we go. I think we have him back. All righty. Are you back with us? Is that, uh, do we get you back, Mr. Neville? Yes, I'm sorry about that. Right on. Right Long on. issue here. Groovy. Uh, so we tried again with the, with the question. I don't know. I don't know at what point we lost you. I, I think you, you were restating the question about white identity and the, uh, the possibility or impossibility of white people in mass to reject or to let go of that was the point at which I was uh, dropped. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was just restating. I don't know if you heard it or not, but it sounds like you did hear it. Uh, I still, we, I have not heard a clear uh, answer to the question. Is that logical from what your understanding of what it means to be white, that most white people are going to reject that, the vast majority, if not all white people are going to reject that just based on what it means to be white? Is that, yes, I think that's logical. Okay. Um and just based on that, because that's one of the things uh, I would even go back to the, the quote that I started things with. I have seen that consistently uh, in the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, black people, Africans, we are encouraged mm-hmm. to respond in a non-logical manner in dealing with racism. Mm-hmm. We are encouraged to do things that just don't make logical sense that you can see if you just sit down and do some thinking, this is not going to solve the problem. Uh, and I would submit, I will ask you just based on logic, this seems like another one uh, going out to canvas and ask white people to get resources and to contribute. You said it's $20,000. I mean, just that right there. Uh, it just seems like I would even say the numbers, too. I would say it's been my experience for most things that white people, uh, when they have a lot of people, a powerful movement, they have tons of folks. They want to brag about how many people. That's the way the NRA gets down. They brag about the number of members that they have and the amount of resources that they're able to rally. They would uh $20,000 would be embarrassing <laughs> to a group like them to say that we fundraised and what we were able to raise in a year was $20,000 for any project. That's what I mean about just looking at the logic uh, of what's being presented and saying, does this make sense or not? Is this something that's realistically, reasonably has a chance to end or even impact global, as you say, colonialism, as I say, white supremacy, white terrorism? Does that make sense? Is it logical what I'm saying? I think your assessment of, of white people makes sense and is logical. I don't think that's a reason why white people should decide not to be in solidarity with African people. I think it's, it's in our interest. It's illogical for white people to think that we have a future on this planet if we don't stand in solidarity with African people, which means destroying the white identity. 
there won't be a white people. There won't be a whiteness because the material basis for white people, which is slavery and colonialism, won't exist anymore. It will have been overturned. That culture of violence will have been destroyed. So it is illogical and absurd for any white person who understands that to say, well, I'm going to cling on to that, you know, to my last dying breath. That's suicidal. It makes much more sense to see our future as one with African people, and that has to mean solidarity and reparations. I know. I see some of the people. My bad. Did you have more? Sorry about that. No, I was done. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I see some of the folks that dialed in uh, who have questions. Uh, one more before I get to them. I still got my Tim Wise uh, question to get in as well. Um, what are your What are your duties and responsibilities? You're uh, chairman uh, at your organization. What What are your What What is What are you required to do uh, from that position as chairman? I'm the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, which is the mass organization of the African People's Solidarity Committee. Okay. And the African People's Solidarity Committee members are involved in um, many different projects of the Uhuru Movement that are designed to raise resources, um, including uh, businesses and economic institutions uh, that exist throughout the country. Mm. But my purpose, my role as the chair of USM is to have the discussion in the white community and to bring the political questions into the white community and win white people politically to unity with reparations to African people and to raise resources through that, through sheer political unity to raise resources uh, in solidarity with African liberation. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me nab some of the folks that dialed in uh, who have questions. Uh, if you do have a question uh, for Mr. Jesse Neville, uh, feel free uh, to dial in the number 641-715-3640. And then the code is 564 Four, three pound press star six if you have a question and if you want to get more information uh, on uh, the organization the Uhuru movement uh, the African People's Solidarity Movement uh, that Mr. Neville is a member of uh, you can go to uhurunews.com it should be linked in the description for the people that are listening uh, Black Talk Radio Network or wherever else you can just click it there but uh, uhurunews.com you can get more information uh, you can read some of the reports you can see pictures uh, Mr. Neville and see some of the other work that he's done uhurunews.com uh, the folks that have dialed in uh, I think this is Thomas in New York uh, if you have a question for Mr. Neville you should be with us Thomas in New York proceed can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Good evening to the guests. Good evening. Evening. Uh, what's your name, sir, so I can call you by your name? Jeffy. Jeffy, okay. Good evening, guys. Jeffy. Um, do you consider yourself to be a good white person? I don't know what that means. I don't think there's a such thing as a good white person. Uh oh, I think we lost. I think we lost Thomas in New York. I think he got 
bumped off too. I'm sure he'll dial back in and get his question. Uh, you you stop that. You're not sure what a good person is. I'll when he dials back in, I'll make sure uh, we pick up at that point. What does it mean to be a good person? Uh, I'll take. Oh, there he is. <laughs> it was quick. I was going to get our next caller, but I think he uh, got back pretty quick. Thomas in New York, if you're back with us, um, Mr. Neville, before you got disconnected. Oh. I don't know. Every time I start talking, it seems like uh, <laughs> this happens to me. Um, so do you consider yourself to be a good white person? Uh, he when Before you got, or while you got disconnected, he said he doesn't know what a good white person is, uh, and he doesn't think that there is such a thing as a good white person. Uh, those were his two responses when you got disconnected. Oh, okay. Very good. Thank you for um, clearing that up, and thank you for answering my question, sir. I have a few more questions for you. Um, um, first is I, I agree with your analysis on um, why why white people are giving so much so so much love to Tanahashi Colts. I believe I'm going to say his name um, because he sugarcoats racism in a way that makes them feel um, pretty comfortable. Um, can you respond to this statement? Uh, I did not. Um, like or agree with your definition of racism at all. I don't think racism is a result of colonialism. I think colonialism is a result of racism. Um, mm-hmm. It's for thievery of resources. Um, I think you're using colonialism the same way that Tim Wise uses white privilege. Um, you mm-hmm. seem to leave out the fact that people were slaves, people in the Congo's hands were getting cut off. There was apartheid mm-hmm. in South Africa. Do you consider that to be colonialism? The uh, the conquest of the Congo and South Africa? Um, absolutely. Do you think that even here in the United States, the slaves were colonial colonialists? Do you think when we're uh, um, out like William Penn and everyone? I mean, that you're saying that colonialism is racism. So the slaves were colonialists. They were treated like colonialists. And the people in South Africa and the people in the Congo as well. Well, just to clarify, uh, the analysis that, that I've been, um, you know, articulating on this program is, is the analysis of, that is from Chairman Amalia Shatella and the theory of African internationalism. And I will do my best to explain my understanding of that theory, but I strongly encourage uh, anyone who wants to understand Chairman Amali Shatella's theory and his analysis of colonialism and racism to read his works, to watch his videos on YouTube. Um, You can search Amali Shatella or you can... So so this isn't isn't your own analysis, this is someone else's you see. It's the analysis of, of the chairman and the African People's Socialist Party, which is which is the worldview that I have embraced as my own. It is, it is that's the, the who organization? Correct. And there are more than one white member to this organization? There is an organization called the African People's Solidarity Committee that was formed for white people to be under the leadership of the Uhuru movement and organize white people for reparations to African people. And there are there are several white people in it. Oh, okay. okay. But in that branch of that group, no black people in that branch. Uh, in, in the APSC, that, that's the organization of white people under the, under okay. the leadership of the party. Got you, got you. 
Okay, um, do, have you um ever had um sexual sex with a black man or woman? Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's an appropriate question. Um, <laughs> you don't think that's an appropriate question to ask a white person if they engage in sex with black people? I don't think that my sexual activities is the topic of this discussion here, and I, I, I can say that it is the opinion of our organization that the problem between white people and African people and is the position of the Uhuru movement, it cannot be solved on an individual level. It cannot be solved between an individual white person and an individual African in between some kind of personal relationship, that we have a parasitic, blood-sucking relationship to African people as a whole white nation, and that relationship has to be destroyed. So that's, that's, the, that's how we understand that issue. So your group doesn't condone um, sexual activity between whites and blacks, you're saying? I would say it just the way I just said it. That's the only way I would say it. Okay. Um, can you tell us um, some things? Um, you know, you said earlier that um, you've been around black people, white people, and they talk bad about black people and some jokes. Um, can you tell us some things that you, you guys talk about that we're not privy to hear? I'm not. I'm not sure if I understand. Um, you said Earl. Gus asked you earlier. The ghost. Um, have you ever been around white people? Um, and they were talking bad about black people or using jokes. And you said yes. So can you tell us some of those things? Um, I, I don't think there's anything that African people are not privy to. I mean, you can see and watch any talk show hosts and see all these comedians and the whole culture. The whole culture is anti-black. So there's nothing I could tell you that, you know, is some kind of secret. It's an open, public kind of hostility that white society shows to African people. Well, can you tell us some, some just in the context of some way some of those things might have been said? There's, there's, really nothing, there's really nothing that comes to mind. I mean... Nothing. Okay. I didn't think so. Um, last, um, two things. Have you ever heard or used the word nigger before? I've heard it. I don't use it. Um, can you give me a definition of a nigger and I'll mute my line? Thank you very much for taking my questions. It's a word that white people created to attack and slander African people that we were oppressing. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Thomas in New York. Appreciate that. Uh, caller, I think you're on the vote line, I think. I could be in, in error. Uh, the caller that dialed in on the vote line, did you have a question for Mr. Neville? Your line should be open. Yes, I did. Uh, good evening to everyone. Greetings. Uh, if you can speak, stay at that volume right there. Sometimes your if you can stay the same volume level that you have right now, if you can stay there, that would be great, sir. Go ahead. No problem. Um. Mr. Neville, um, I wanted to ask, um, well, I want to make a statement and follow it up with a question. So from what I've seen, typically is black people have been victimized by white people so much and so long that we tend to treat them very well when they're not actively or we can't perceive them practicing racism against us. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel like... <clears throat> What do you what what would you, what would you say to 
me if I would, would were to think that you're part of part of this organization just to gain some of that um, the the good. I guess the uh, the extra the great treatment from black people just to make you you know feel better about yourself as a as a white man. What would you say to that? I I don't feel good about being in this social system. I never feel good being part of a parasitic, violent colonial social system. I'm in this organization because I want to be in solidarity with African liberation because I recognize it as, you know, the ability for me to take responsibility for this disgusting legacy that every white person inherits upon birth into this world and participate in overturning it. That's why I'm in this organization. And so, and you stating that, and in turn you're, you're kind of going against your own, uh, I guess, your own well-being, so to speak. Like, what, what do you, what do you expect to gain from like African liberation yourself? Like, because I'm getting a sense that maybe this, it sounds like more of a kind of, it's starting to sound a little cultish to me, like as if it's part of a cult. And and what I see is like white people tend to just get, you know, take part in certain things just for the sake of being a more well-rounded, I guess, white person so they can feel like they've dominated everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, do you, what do you get, what do you expect to gain from African liberation yourself? Not, not the teachings of the leader of this organization or whatever. What, what do you expect to gain from that? Well, anything I would say to you is inseparable from the teachings of the leader of the organization and the African People's Socialist Party. And it's only because of those teachings that I understand what I have to gain is to be a part of humanity. To be white, to be on the side of white power is not ultimately in the interest of well-being. White power is going to be destroyed. All the peoples on the planet of the earth hate white power. They're going to destroy white power. They have a right to destroy white power. And I have no interest going down with that sinking ship. I have an interest in being one with, being in unity with the rest of the world that is struggling to get this monster into its grave. As for uh, the question of the cult, I think uh, white America is more like a cult. This is a very creepy uh, culture and society where, you know, we walk around we are forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance to an imperialist, you know, white power flag in our schools. We walk around with pictures of dead white slave masters on our dollar bills. I mean, white, white society is a cult. This is a revolutionary movement. And lastly, I just want to say, uh, I'm sorry, Gus, I just want to say, uh, you seem to, you know, I don't want to be a little touchy with the 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 question that uh, the caller from New York just asked you about, have you ever had sex with a uh, black man or a woman? And I would like to ask you, why Why do you feel, why, why is that such a touchy subject when we're talking about racism? Why? And that's my last question. Thank you. Well, I think that 
historically white men have had have expressed violence and white people in general have expressed violence to against African people in the form of sexuality. I mean the rape of African women and African men by the white slave master was a common occurrence on slave plantations and all throughout uh, throughout the history of, of white power and, and colonialism. And I think that might be why it's, you know, would be perceived as a touchy issue. But my, my response was to try to respond to the political question. I'm not interested in discussing my, you know, personal background or anything like that. I think that's secondary to the political questions and what I believe politically. That is, you know, that is the main question that I'm interested in in responding to that I think is implied in that question. You know, I, I don't think that anyone would, would be interested in knowing the details of my personal life. I think that my political beliefs on that question is what was being asked for. So that, I think I did answer that question. Right on. Uh, before we get to next caller, I can get my Michael Foucault uh, on. Uh, the personal, uh, frequently, some of the things that we think of as being most personal are the mm. most political. Uh, and I definitely have concluded that bedroom activity, oh, I think on the Supreme Court docket, I know <laughs> sexual activity is going to be coming up in a various number of cases on the Supreme Court docket. That is extremely political, uh, what goes down in the bedroom. LGBT rights movement. Uh, the person that called in, 3358-3358, did you have a question for Mr. Neville? Greetings, everyone. Oh, and I forgot. My, I'm sorry, uh, Tapello. We had more people that dialed in, so we can't do speechifying or comments anymore. You just got to ask a question I'm, and rock and roll. Go ahead, Tapello. I'm getting to the question. Um, sir, my question is going to be about your citizenship. You say you are a revolution. Mm -hmm. Or revolutionary group, right? Yes. Now the laws yes. of this country, the laws of this country, is based on whiteness, or its mm -hmm. classification of a white person. In order to be a citizen, are you mm -hmm. prepared to rewrite the Constitution of the United States? to dispel citizenship only uh, being to white people? Uh, I'm, I'm not prepared to rewrite it. I'm prepared to spit on it and burn it because it was a document written by slave owners to justify the systemic oppression of black people. So I think those laws and that constitution and everything that U.S. imperialism represents has to be done away with. I wouldn't have any interest or role in, in rewriting it. And you and you got and you think that other white people who have died for this country and died to protect that that right is going to or may agree with you and give up their white citizenship. I, it was a little bit muffled. I'm sorry, if you wouldn't mind repeating it. 
I said, do you think that white people who have died for this country and they call themselves veterans right. would agree with you and, uh, and turn around and burn this document or not even rewrite it, uh, not even correct it? Do you think they would agree with that and join your cause? I, I, I can't say what's in the brains of, of those people. I can only say that there are some veterans that I know, um, you know, have witnessed the atrocities that the U.S. carries out in these various places where they get sent to occupy oppressed people and are awakened to the reality of the monstrous nature of the social system and, and do want to take a stand against it. So I think we're talking about your form and your brand of justice is to burn the document and replace it with what? Well, I was uh, sort of being rhetorical. Whether or not it would be burned or not is not that important. But the main point I was trying to make is that I don't regard that as a legitimate document. I don't regard U.S. imperialist law or this system as a legitimate system. It's a system that was built on slavery and genocide and theft of land and theft of labor. And African people will create their own system, and Mexican people and the native people and all the oppressed people of the world will create a peaceful and just and humane system in the process of getting rid of this violent, blood-sucking system that has leached off of them for centuries. That was the main point I was trying to make about the Constitution. But the, but the Constitution is based on the Magna Carta. Do you uh, think the Magna Carta is also uh, something that, which is a treaty, uh, which is taken with our treaties? Do you think that should be uh, not regarded as well? I don't, I don't think any American law is rooted in anything other than justifying the oppression of colonized African and other oppressed peoples. Uh, law is the opinion of the ruling class. And, you know, the, the, the uh, Constitution and the whole idea of American democracy was something that white slave owners stole from the Iroquois Confederacy. That was something that was uh, indigenous to the people of this land for many, many thousands of years, and white uh, genocidal slave owners took those ideas and perverted them all out of distortion and uh, used them to create a democracy for white people that exists on the backs of the enslavement and oppression of basically everybody else. Uh, hang tight, Tapello. Uh, I'm going to try and make sure we get as many callers in. The caller, uh, thank you, on the vote line. Did you have a question for Mr. Neville, caller on the uh, vote line? Uh, caller, you had a hand up on the vote line. Are you there? Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, if you could speak up a tad, that would help. <laughs> can you hear me, guys? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're echoing. Yeah, I had a call. Oh, hold on. I got it's like you're on speakerphone. If you could, uh, if you have, maybe you could turn the volume down, perhaps. Uh, it just sounds like you're echoing a little bit. Let's try it again. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. Much better. Hold on, hold on. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir, we can hear you. Yes, sir, 
último día. Hello? We can hear you. The only problem. Hear you. The only problem. Sir, we can hear you. The problem is that your line is echoing. It sounds like either you have it on speakerphone or if you're on the computer, um, like you have the sound coming out of your external speakers. Uh, and so we're getting uh, the reverb. We're getting a lot of distortion. We can like hear when we speak, but we can hear you loud and clear. If you just maybe if you can put in some headphones really quick or if you could just turn your volume down on the computer uh that would work i'm trying to think what else or if you uh if you could do this this is a little more work but this would solve the echo problem when you go ahead and ask your question just mute your line and that way when we're talking it won't echo uh and then once we're finishing if you need to respond or if you had a second question unmute and then that should work too but any of those options should work we'll try it again but we can hear you loud and clear the only problem was the echo Go ahead, sir. Okay. it's <laughs> uh, Your line should be open, sir. Did you have a question? I'm going to go to the next caller uh, if you don't hear from you in a second or two. Line should be open, sir. Do you have a question? Okay, we'll try. Again, I'm not sure. Technology can be difficult at times. Uh, I know the feeling. The caller at 9729. 9729. Did you have a question? Yes, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, good evening to the guests and to the guest, Mr. Neville. Um, the question that I have is, well, I have a few, but the first is, how do you feel about Barack Obama and his role in current events? And his role in, in what was the last word? I'm sorry. Current events, or just his presidency. Barack Obama? Well, yes. uh, before Obama became uh, president, the Uhuru movement and uh, Chairman Omalia Shatella were uh, very clear that he represented a new face for the same oppressive social system that he was actually uh, a desperate act by an imperialist system in crisis to raise up a representative who more closely resembles the people who are being oppressed to represent the system that is oppressing them. It would have been impossible for someone like George Bush to have come into office and get away with uh, the things that have happened under Barack Obama in the time that he has been president. And Chairman Amalia Chatella calls it neo-colonialism, that it's white power in a new face. You know, African people still get gunned down in the streets of this country, still face uh, horrific uh, mass incarceration and poverty and all the other conditions, and the U.S. government is still invading and terrorizing people all over the planet. And Obama uh, simply represents just a new face to represent the same system. Okay. Um, would you suggest that blacks take out their animosity towards Barack Obama? Uh, 
I, w- I would I would suggest that white people stand solid. <laughs> there's there's no suggestion no to uh, to African people. I think my role, my responsibility is to is to talk to white people about what we have to do, how we have to stand in solidarity with African people. I think, you know, Africans are already expressing their animosity towards Obama. The Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations, which is a black uh, coalition, held the first demonstration against Obama in front of the White House in 2009. So it has really been uh, the African movement inside this country that has been leading uh, the charge in exposing who Obama is and what he represents. Do you think it's correct for black non-white people to express anger towards Barack Obama? Do you see that that's correct? Of course. Absolutely. So you would suggest that blacks take out anger towards Barack Obama rather than maybe something else? Oh, no. I, I wouldn't suggest anything. I'm, I'm not suggesting anything about taking out anger or anything like that. Um, and I, as I said earlier, you know, there's nothing that I have to teach African people. My role is to teach white people, to organize other white people about our responsibility and our relationship to this social system. That a lot of white people support Obama and support U.S. imperialism or Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump or any other face of white power. And my job is to go talk to those white people, show them the Burning Spear newspaper, which is the Uhuru Movement's newspaper, teach them about African internationalism and organize them into a movement for reparations to African people. What incentives do you have as a white person? I'm sorry, Jeff, were you going to say something? No, ma'am. Okay. What incentives do you have as a white person to destroy the system of white supremacy? What incentive? Yes. The incentive of joining humanity. Do you think that that incentive will work for white people in a way that it will benefit black people? I think that I assume that if I can hear it, others can hear it. Obviously, I assume that. That's why I'm, I'm in an organization that goes out into the world to try to gather and win other white people like myself. And as I said earlier, it's not about helping uh, or showing some kind of charity to African people. Africans will win with or without white people. But we play an important role in the strategy of the African Revolution when we unite with the struggle for African liberation and go back into the white community to raise the banner of reparations. We play an important role, and we find our own humanity and our own long-term interests as one with the rest of the world, the rest of the peoples on the planet, when, when we make that decision. Uh, hang tight, caller. I'm going to make sure uh, we try and nab all the other folks in here. Uh, the caller at...
retired Florida retired firefighter in Florida. Did you have a question for Mr. Neville? You should be with us. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. Uh, to the uh, to the guests. Uh, the first question I would ask: I've heard I've heard you use the phrase African people. Uh, I've tuned in at least about maybe thirty times. Uh, it's very confusing, and uh, that's a no-no when you're talking to uh, non-white people. Uh, it should it, you should uh, bring nothing but clarity and honesty. And I haven't heard it yet. Uh, I mean, as far as I know, you may be talking about uh, Miss Teresa Hanks, who's the wife of the Secretary of State. She was born in Africa. She was born in Mozambique, and uh, she uh, is now in this part of the world. So are you talking about her, or who are you talking about when you mention African people? What do you mean when you say African people? Thank you. Uh, the Uhuru the movement, the African People's Socialist Party, uh, believes that Africans are one people dispersed all throughout the world, uh, whether in the United States or in the Bahamas or in Africa or anywhere else on the planet, similar to the Marcus Garvey movement of the 1920s that had 11 million African people who said Africa belongs to African people, those at home and those abroad. That is... Uh, the worldview of of the Uhuru movement that Africans are one people. So that was what I was referring to. Okay, uh, it is still it is still uh, not clear exactly what you mean under a global system of racism and white supremacy. Are you talking about white people, or are you talking about people who white people identify as non-white? when referring to Africans? I'm going to ask the question again, sir. I'm still not clear on what you are referring to. Under a global system of racism and white supremacy, are you talking about white people or non-white people? When, when using the term Africans, I'm referring to what would you know in other times be referred to as the black community or African Americans, not white people, and we often refer to white people as Europeans or Euro Americans. Those are other terms that we. Uh, Miss Carey was born in Africa. She was not born in Europe, the place called Europe. But Miss Carey is a white person mm-hmm. under a global system. I don't, I don't know if the host, uh, he probably did, but I don't know if the host gave you his meaning of racist white supremacy. Mm. Uh, but under a global system of racist white supremacy, are you talking about a white person or a non-white person? I only need one of those two choices to be identified, to, be, to bring clarity to me so I can move on to my next question. I, I'm 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 not clear what you mean. Am I referring to non-white people when I use the term African? Is that what you're asking? Uh, up until this moment, you have not found it confused about anything. 
And I'm pretty sure that I'm clear in my question that I'm asking you. Are you talking about white people as far as who you are helping and or assisting, or are you talking about non-white people? That would give me a sense of distrust additionally about you. Hello? Uh, Mr. Neville, are you still with us? Oh, I think he, I think he got disconnected. Uh, he dialed back in. Though. This happened uh, once before. Uh, okay, yeah, Mr. I, Neville. I remember. Yes, sir. Okay, Mr. Neville, uh, did we lose you again? Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm back. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know where you where you dropped out. Do you want? I guess. Uh, do you want to repeat uh, your last question? Maybe we can try again. Yes, I, I genuinely want to answer the question clearly, so I'm, I'm sincerely asking for clarification if, if the question is, am I referring to non-white people when I use the term Africans? I don't know. I, I, I was the one who originally asked the question because as a non-white person under the system of racist white supremacy, I am, I am identified as a non-white person. Now, are you talking about non-white people? When you, I mean, I, I can't answer that question for you. The only term I've heard you use to who you are assisting and are helping, you said something about that white people don't need to help African people. Uh, you, you went on with this long diatribe. Some of it I don't, I, I don't understand. Some of it I may do understand. But I definitely understand on when you say African people. Because it's a, it's a very broad term. There are white people who are born every day in that part of the world. So I don't know who you're talking about or who you're assisting. As far as I know, you may be helping the Ku Klux Klan. I don't know. And you are on this program. One of the reasons why you're on this program is to be honest. I've heard that word before directed at you. Now, I'm challenging you to be honest. We, white, we people, white people, are, white people uh, have a high percentage of being uh, knowledgeable about the system of racist white policy well above and beyond their non-white victims. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to be honest, be open, and please answer my question, because it's taking too long, really. We stand in solidarity with non-white people, including Africans. Oh, that's a lot. Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Now, my next question. My next question. You have to elaborate. You have to elaborate. You finally, finally came out of your mouth. Now, my next question is, is on the people activity of sex. You basically have mentioned to uh, one of the callers, and specifically, I think, all of us, that your sexual uh, behavior is none of our business. Fine. We can take one answer, whatever answer you want to put out there. But I have this as a question. Uh, as long as white people have been having sex with non-white people, do you 
view it as some means to bring about the end to the system of racism, white supremacy, or do you think that under a global system of racism, white supremacy, non-white people and white people should not be having sex with each other? That's my question. And I'll mute my line. I'm not, I'm not really interested in those questions. There's nothing in the platform of the African People's Socialist Whoa, Like it's 
it's almost scripted, and I'm just, mm-hmm. we're trying, I'm trying, me personally, I'm just trying to get a sense of what you think, you know, how do you engage in, um, I guess, promoting what you're promoting on a personal level. Um, I, my my personal opinion is completely consistent with African internationalism and the theory of the Uhuru movement. So everything I've said to you has been my opinion. I believe everything I've said to you. I, there's no distinction between what I believe and the theory of African internationalism that my entire you know has shaped my whole worldview. Okay. Well, I, I mean. The last caller um, had asked uh, something along the lines about uh, uh, having sexual intercourse with, uh, you know, non-white people in a system of white supremacy. You know, we described it, you know, racism is war. If we were to follow that logic, um, if we are, uh, you know, engaged in, in warfare, would it make any logical sense to be having sex with, uh, you know, people who are engaged in war with us. Well, I, I I'm, just, I'm just saying following the logic. Not, not you don't have to go into, you know, personal uh, information, but I'm just saying following that logic, if we're looking at this as a global system of warfare against non-white people, uh, specifically black people, does it make any logical sense to be... Uh, for white people or non-white people to be engaged in sexual activity until this system ends. You know, you can have a free fall right. after the system ends, but I'm just saying right now I, I don't see the logic behind practicing that, and I just wanted to see what your opinion was on that. I, I think uh, what you said just now makes a lot of sense, and uh, perhaps I wasn't clear on that before. And I, I did address an earlier question where the way that, that we would say it is that um, you're right, that it's a war. And the war is not going to be resolved through a personal relationship between somebody from the oppressor society and somebody from the oppressed society. It's going to be, it's not a, a personal problem. It's not a problem between one individual and another individual that's going to be solved because two people uh, become infatuated with each other. It's only going to be solved when that violent relationship that white people as a whole have to African people is ripped apart. And that's exactly what the Uhuru movement is struggling to do. So I, I, I addressed an earlier question to that effect, um, and I just want to reiterate, we firmly believe we can have, you know, a white person can engage in a personal relationship with an African, listen to black music, grow dreadlocks, do whatever, and feel great about themselves, but they will have done absolutely nothing to overturn the relationship as an oppressor that we have to that person and to the entire black community. So we say that's not the solution. The solution is solidarity with African liberation. That is our mantra. It might sound scripted, but that is what we believe to the core as an organization of the African People's Socialist Party. Oh, hang tight, Princess. All right, thank uh, you. Thank you. Um, the person that dialed in... Uh, caller in D.C. Did you have a question for Mr. Uh, Neville? Uh, caller in D.C. Hello? Yes, ma'am. 
Oh, hi. Uh, to Beth and to the guest, hello. Greetings. Hello. Hi. Hi, sir. Um, I have a question. Um, so are you a student? I'm, I'm, no, I'm not a student on a campus at this moment, no. I'm a student of African internationalism. Okay. May I ask how old you are, what your age range is? I'm, I'm 25. Okay. So what are your long-term goals uh, career-wise, uh, I'd say in the next 10 to 20 years, just goals? Um, I don't have goals career-wise. My goal is to commit everything I can to building a movement in solidarity with African liberation. Okay. And uh, what, what does Uhuru mean to you, and what is the origin of it? Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and the origin of it is that it was the slogan of a magnificent organization called the Kenya Land and Freedom Army, which was otherwise known as the Mau Mau, and that was an organization in Kenya of African people that fought to liberate Kenya from British colonial rule, and their slogan, their war cry was Uhuru, and in the 60s, when the Uhuru movement was created, it was a popular slogan that Malcolm X and uh, Asada Shakur and other African liberation heroes used, and the Uhuru movement adopted it as its slogan, and that's why the movement came to be known as Uhuru. And we say it to each other in the organization. When we greet each other, we say Uhuru because we believe that freedom for African people and the oppressed peoples of the world should be the first thing that we think about when we wake up in the morning, and the last thing that we think about when we go to sleep at night. Okay, thanks. Uh, and then I just have two more questions, Gus. Thanks. Um, so you say that you go out to preach this particular—I'm um, not going to say gospel, but just for lack of a better, better, better term—to whites. So, what venues or what places are you going to and what particular groups of people are you talking to? Where are you doing all of this? Everywhere like. Yes. Everywhere we possibly can. Uh, we organize on college campuses. We organize on, on the sidewalks outside of popular uh, Saturday morning markets here in St. Pete. Um, we've organized at concerts. We've organized at conferences. Anywhere we can go where we can reach uh, other white people in our community, uh, we will go there. We, so, you know, have you ever, go ahead. Oh, thanks. Have you feared any violent confrontation or a reaction from whites? Um, we've certainly encountered that, but we, we have to struggle. We have to fight that. Okay, and then the last question I have is, would you be prepared to be a political prisoner for the rest of your days if, if, that, ever, if that ever came to be? I would be prepared to stand in unconditional solidarity with African people and to do whatever it takes to unite with the struggle to take this system down. And our hope is that there will be no political prisoners because the prison walls will be brought down and all African people and other colonized people will be freed.
Yeah, that's idealistic what you say. That there's nothing wrong with that, but I just mean in just speaking in reality, would you be prepared to, to live that way, let's say for the next 25, 30 years, if that ever came to be? I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to forward the struggle against imperialism. Okay. Asada Shakur, Asada Shakur was prepared to do whatever it takes, and then when she was in prison, she and her organization were prepared to get her out of there. I don't think any revolutionary prepares to be in prison for 20 years, if that's clear. Well, I'm just speaking of coming back to the point of your being a white male, and you had that option to go ahead and, you know, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, right on. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank right you. Right on. Um, I, uh, I can think of, of one person that, at least one person, <laughs> who uh, might be classified as a quote-unquote revolutionary, I don't use that term, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King prepared to go to jail in the cause of right. ending white supremacy. So just on that basis that I can think of at least one person, I probably could list quite a few others who have done the same thing. Uh, I would appreciate right. a yes or no answer to her question. Uh, yes or no. Are you prepared to go to jail, be a prisoner for the next 25, 30 years uh, in your dedication to ending what you call colonialism, the system of white supremacy, white terrorism? Yes or no. I think my answer was clear in saying I'm prepared to do whatever it takes. I'm a cadre member of the African So we can't get a yes or no answer? It's not possible to get a yes or no answer to that question? We make a commitment to okay. go all no problem. the way. No problem. Thank you. Yes. The person who called in, 5234, uh, 5234, did you have a question for uh, Mr. Neville? Uh, yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. All right, greetings to you, Gus, and greetings to Mr. Neville and the other callers. Um, I did have a, a couple of questions. My first question is, when you are in the presence of other white people and there are no non-white people around, do those other white people automatically assume that you're racist? Or have you been in a situation like that before? Oh, certainly. And how have you handled that, those situations when they have arisen? Well, I think white people have a responsibility to challenge uh, racism or white nationalism whenever, uh, whenever it arises in our surroundings, and um, I have certainly attempted to do that. Most of the time when I'm in public, I'm representing uh, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and organizing in the streets. Most people that uh, meet me meet me in the context of, of organizing. Um, we make it our life to organize, so... Uh, even our social interactions are often in the context of uh, building this movement. So we, we try to uh, set the terms for what kind of interaction is acceptable and to change the discussion, change the narrative, change the whole conversation in the white community uh, by bringing this struggle and, and this, uh, this message into white society. So do you strictly have contact with uh, only white people in the context of your work, or do you also have strict contact or contact with only white people outside of that context? I, I wasn't really clear. I apologize. No, I was asking, um, 
is is the only context in which you have contact with, let's say, white people with with no non-white people around. Is it only in the context of the work that you do, or do you have situations like that 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 you experience outside of that context, just in your regular everyday life? Well, definitely in 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 America, there are many places where uh, there are only white people. I mean, this is a white nationalist country. So there are many uh, classrooms, you know, parts of town, restaurants, you know, the whole society. I'm just asking about you personally. Do you personally have contact in a strictly white environment outside of the context of the work you do? And in that, if you do, in that context, have you been approached in that way where people have, other white people have automatically assumed you're racist and might have made a statement or comment? I'm just, under that assumption. I don't uh, seek out strictly white environments. I, I grew up in Miami, so I grew up in a very international environment. Um, I don't know. Okay. And I really have a question. Um, I don't really think that it's logical for white people to give up practicing racism and white supremacy simply because um, just living creatures do not take the, they take the path of least resistance. And white domination has been the path of least resistance. I wanted to know, is there any other context with which you've spoken to white people outside of your personal dedication to um, to forming uh, a revolutionary bond with white people um, as a reason for them to, or uh, I guess a reason for them to join your movement outside of that, outside of that reason? Is there any other reason beyond that? Because I don't think many white people will attach to your ideology. I, I believe the reasons that I stated earlier for why white people have an interest in uniting with African liberation are the reasons why. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, the person that dialed in, uh, caller in Michigan, did you have a question for Mr. Jesse Neville? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, good evening, Gus, to the callers and to your guests. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask a couple questions. The first one was, um, you said you're 25. Are you married? Uh, I'm not, I, but, you know, my, I think my personal uh, story is not, not really that significant in this context. But, no, I'm not married. Okay. Um Next question is, um, you said that one of the callers asked you, um, where do you speak to white people mm -hmm. sharing right. your message? And you said wherever, on the corners, um, outside of different places. So I'm envisioning because I, you know, I see people, you know, on bullhorns and just trying to get attention from people, you know, just trying to, uh, share their doctrine, so to speak. So you don't have right. a facility or do you have meetings with just white people where you are um, able to get their undivided attention or are you just trying to get attention on the sides of the street? Or, like, what does that look like? Um, well, doing outreach tables on the, on the sidewalk is just one of the tactics that um, that we've used, um, that we've learned from, you know, our training from the African People's Socialist Party. Uh, but we, we do many different types of activities. We hold events. We hold forums. We hold film showings. Uh, 
coming up this month, actually, we have an event that, that we hold every year called the Day in Solidarity with African People. And at that event, Chairman Omali Ishitella and Penny Hess uh, of the African People's Solidarity Committee will be speaking. And that event happens in San Diego. It happens in Oakland. It happens in uh, St. Petersburg. It happens in Philadelphia. Um, in past years, it has happened even in Warsaw, Poland, in Gainesville, Florida, and in many other places. So um, those are the kinds of things that we do. We, we show PowerPoint presentations that expose the history of the, the culture of white violence and how parasitic capitalism was built on slavery and genocide. And we make the case for reparations through, uh, through those types of presentations. So okay. that's uh, really the substance of our work. Okay. Um, the next question is, um, what, um, what was like your overall purpose for coming on this program? Like what, what were you trying to accomplish? Um, I was, uh, I was in, interested in discussing the ideas of Chairman Omali Shatella and the Uhuru Movement, and I was especially intrigued because I saw that uh, this program had previously hosted uh, interviews with Tim Wise, where uh, Tim Wise, who, you know, we would regard as an arch-opportunist, was, uh, was really challenged for his... Uh, white nationalist opportunism, and that was something that I, I appreciated and one of the things that intrigued me about this program. Okay. Um, and how were you recruited in this organization? I don't know if you shared that. I, I dropped off a couple times on the call, but how were you recruited and where were you recruited? I was recruited through attending a very powerful event that was held here in St. Petersburg, Florida in 2010, where Chairman Omali Shatella was being honored uh, for his uh, more than 40 years of work building the Uhuru Movement. It was an event uh, held at the University of South Florida by the Uhuru Movement, and it was also uh, honoring the fact that his uh, many publications had been acquired by the Special Collections Archive of the Nelson Pointer Library here in St. Petersburg. So I uh, went to that event and heard the chairman speak about all of the work that the party has, has done over the last uh, several decades, and that was where I signed up to become involved in the organization. Okay. Um, and who do you feel is most confused about um, racism, white people or non-white people? White people. And why do you say that? Because we, as white people, uh, we benefit from it. We benefit from, in the short term, and for hundreds of years now, we've benefited from the oppression of black people. So we have uh, deliberately created all kinds of um, false explanations for how this world got to be the way it is. Interesting. Um, and Gus, this question is for you. Do you have that sound clip of the buckets and buckets of words still? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. That, um, that will be it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the caller who dialed in from me. Thank you. Block. Mr. Lawrence? Oh, yes, sir. Can I ask a question? 
Yes, sir. Um, I'm, I was just wondering uh, what the time duration of the interview uh, would be from this point on because uh, I'm going to have to be going in just a few minutes. I wasn't okay. sure how long uh, the program runs. We had uh, two other... Well, <laughs> being lollygagging with the questions. Now it's three. Um, are you able to, to get three uh, final callers if they can be efficient with their questions? I, I can stay on for about another ten minutes. Okay, that would be okay. We'll make that work for the yeah. three callers. Uh, the person that dialed in from Thanks. a block, for sure, for sure. The person that dialed in from a block number. Uh, do you have a question? Yes, sir. Uh, this is John from Texas. I'm, I have a couple of questions. If uh, Mr. Neville, if you have already answered it already, you can just say you've answered, it and I'll listen back to the show. I'm going to proceed. Okay. First question is that if you, as you've just described, if you deliberately create something, how can you be ignorant about it? In terms of racism, um, I think I think I've answered that earlier. In terms of the ignorance of convenience. Okay. Next question. Um, I understand that you are involved in ending oppression, but why would you want to give up your benefits as a person? What benefit do you specifically gain as an individual by ending oppression? Um, also addressed that earlier in the program uh, in terms of. Okay. Okay. Next question. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to ask if you agree with it. For example, if women are not protect, if women were not protected by laws of being sexually violated by men, then men, every man, would be seen as a potential uh, rapist or sexual violator, and therefore laws would have to be made instead of hearts being changed in order to protect women. Do you agree with that statement? Yes. Okay. Therefore, do you it, it, do you feel that that is also synonymous with the uh, with the realm of racism and white supremacy toward people that are non-white? In the sense that the black community has the right to have power to prevent white people from harming them. Is that no, it, agree it, with? no, no, no. It, 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 pertaining to the fact that laws have to be made and, t- and laws have to be made instead of hearts being changed in order to protect black people? Uh, law is the opinion of the ruling class, and African people have the right to become the ruling class. So, yes. Okay. Next question. Uh, do you agree with making your own group to end oppression instead of going into a group amongst people who have less access than you do within the system of supremacy? I, I believe white people have to go into the white community to organize solidarity with African people. So you're saying that they would have to intermix or, or, or make a group with African people in order to bring an end to this oppression? No, I'm, I'm saying white people have to organize other white people to stand in solidarity with the struggle for black liberation. Is that what you're doing? That is the purpose of the African People's Solidarity Committee, yes. So are you in a group with other black people? This, this was addressed earlier. Okay. Yeah. Last, very last question. Last question. It's a little bit off topic. Last question. Okay. Why is it that black people that do not speak about sports or entertainment are seen as a threat within the workplace environment or just socially? I'm, I'm not familiar with that phenomenon. Okay, that ends my question. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you, Brother Gus. 
Right on. I got called Brother Gus again. <laughs> right on. Good, uh, good to hear from you, sir. Uh, the person that dialed in, uh, 4499. 4499, if you can be efficient with your questions, proceed. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah, I got a question for you. Uh, earlier, did you say that white people stole African culture and retarded or perverted it some way? Yes. Okay, could you explain that to me? Sure. Uh, Elvis, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Kenny G, Eminem, Iggy Azalea, uh, on and on it goes. That would be African culture? Um, rock and roll was created by African people. Jazz was created by African people. Hip-hop was created by African people. Blues music was created by African people. And white people stole all of that, and got rich off of it, while many extremely talented African artists uh, died in poverty. Okay. Uh, my second question would be, I, good, you answered that. Uh, my second question would be, uh, and you say now all they need to do is learn African culture and things will become better? No, 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 no. Okay. I, Certainly not. Okay. Oh, is that? And that's all I have for you. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Great. Uh, Thank you. Different person that called in from a blocked number. Did you have a question for Mr. Uh, Neville? You should be with us. Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah, I want, uh, this, question may have been, this question may have been asked already. Um, Mr. Neville has... has uh, have you ever been, or you, or you, know, or you particularly, have you been threatened, you know, with uh, violence, or anything? has anybody come at you with violence, uh, any uh, white people particularly, since you've been uh, doing doing what you're doing? Yes. Yeah. Um, what happened? Um, well, I mean, it, it, white people have, you know, called our our office number, you know, and. Uh, threaten violence and things like that. But, you know, we have to just keep moving forward, struggle to build the organization, and be confident that we will win. Has, I mean, so has anybody came at you directly? Physically? Anyway. Yes. I mean, uh, so what happened? I mean, um, I mean, you know, physically, I guess, verbally coming at you uh, like they want to beat you up. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have, you know, we defend ourselves, and we we continue to focus on the people that can hear the message. We don't like to waste our time getting into battles or screaming matches or anything like that with uh, with these frothing white nationalist reactionaries. Um, you know, they would prefer to divert us from our task by ensnaring us in, in uh, endless battles with them. But we have to keep our eyes on on our mission and keep moving forward. That's that's how we respond to it. How many years you say you've been doing this? I joined in 2010. Is it, has, has anybody hit you in the face? A white person hit you in the face? 
Thankfully, no. No. Uh, okay. Hang tight. Have oh, you ever seen anybody tight. with you? Like, okay. Hang tight. All right, oh. that's it. <laughs> For sure. Uh, one of our one of our listeners wrote in. Uh, their question was, uh, "What is your source of income?" My source of income? Yes, sir. I mean, that's that's another personal question, and I, I don't think that uh, personal matters. I, I've worked a lot of uh, pretty uh, ridiculous jobs over the years. I don't think they would be of much interest to to the listeners. Well, a listener specifically. The source of income, the source of income for every white person is colonialism. Well, uh, hang tight, hang tight, because a person wrote in specifically uh, that they are interested in what your personal income is, and uh, I think it's extremely relevant. I think you know this already, because uh, a lot of black people uh, attempt to work against racism, white supremacy, doing work similar to to what you're doing, and have a lot of problems generating resources. Uh, and I mean, that's important for a lot right. of reasons in terms of how you're able to sustain yourself and do this. So I think it's very relevant. So you're not willing to disclose what your uh, source of income is. We're we're a volunteer organization, and I think my my source of income is irrelevant in this discussion. The caller, uh, who, other caller who dialed in from a block number, did you have a question for Mr. Neville? Yes, Mr. Neville. If it can be proven that you are harming black people and confusing black people, and your judgment is to be burnt alive, would you are you okay with that? I'm, I'm not sure I understand that. If it can be proven without a shadow of a doubt, unequivocally, that what you're doing right now and what you have been doing and what you seem to be, uh, will be doing in the future is harming black people and confusing black people, which is harm, mm-hmm. would you be okay with the judgment of being burnt alive? I think African people have a right to do whatever they have to do to prevent that's any white person from harming African people. And that's all I can say about that. And I, yeah. I am going to have to go. You're willing um, to be burned alive if it's proven that you're harming black people? You would be okay with that? You would accept that judgment? It's uh, It's been over 10 minutes. And yes I, or I no? Really yes or no? Just answer the question. Opportunity to, uh, ...to be on the line with you for the past two and a half hours. But I am going to have to go in just a few minutes, so, or in just a minute or so. Oh, yes, I mean, is that a yes or no? I'm asking you to answer my question. I'm a, I'm a non-white person. I'm a black person. I'm just asking, uh, you know, are you okay with that? I mean, like, if you're, you don't want to harm black people, but if this proves... No, absolutely not. Harm, In fact, at the exactly. Uru House, at the beginning of, but of if every proven, meeting, if it, we, if it we can be proven by black people that you have, or you are harming them, I'm asking, would you be okay with being burnt alive by the people that you have harmed, I don't. I don't think a white person who harms African people would be okay with being burned alive. That's why they're why not? Why not? Why not? Because they're they're working against the interests of African people. Why would they consent to the will of of black power and the African liberation struggle? Uh, that wouldn't make sense to me. No, you're, I'm saying you're willy-nilly playing, if you're willing, if it can be proven that you're willy-nilly playing games with black people's lives and, and involving yourself where you don't even have to be involving yourself in black people's lives and it's found out that what you what you have done is confuse and harm them, you, 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 I mean, what do you think your judgment should be for that? 
I, I'm not I'm not a religious person, so I'm not interested in, in judgments or anything of that sort. And I think I've answered the question. No, uh, you haven't answered my question. I'm asking you, what do you think a person that does something like that, that would be, you, is that a, despic a despicable I, person? Is that some type of, what kind of person is that? Like, what do you think should be done to that person by the people that that have been harmed by that person? Well, white whatever person. whatever those people deem is the necessary uh, measure. You would, be, you would be okay with that then, right? That's what you're saying? Whatever they deem that your judgment uh, will be, you're okay with that. Is that what you just said? Yes or no? Oh, I think he uh, he exited <coughs> the uh, conversation. Um, I think purposely, <laughs> really, I think he uh, gave us the old farewell. Um, I will ponder on it because uh, I always uh, appreciate being able to. Oh, he dialed back. I, I think he did want to at least sign out. Um, I, did, I didn't know if he was signing out permanently or if he got disconnected again. Mr. Neville, are you with us, sir? I am. I, I just wanted to come back on to thank you for having me on the program. I am going to have to go. Okay, right on. I thought you were doing it anyway, but he at least came back. Appreciate uh, you coming back to let us know that you were signing out, sir. Uh, I was saying we'll see perhaps if we can have you back on the road if it's uh, constructive, if people have more questions. But uh, thank you for sharing a bit of your Thursday evening with us, uh, Mr. Neville. Thank you very much, and thank you to all of the callers and listeners. For sure, for sure. Take care, sir. All right. Uh right on. Context of white supremacy fascinating study this all came about I said at the top of the program this all came about one of our listeners uh, down in apparently Florida is a great spot for cows listeners uh, who would have thought um, but one of our listeners down in South Florida um, he wrote me I think last month not 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 too long ago he wrote me and he said that he had seen this organization uh, the Uhuru group uh, or actually, I don't know if it was the Uhuru group or if it was the African People's Solidarity Movement, the like white contingent. I don't know which which part of the organization, but he saw some of this group members, and I think he saw Mr. Neville specifically, and he was like, uh, "Wow, this is fascinating! <laughs> like, what is going on here? Who was this? Who was this white dude?" And I think you know he had been listening to <clears throat> this program, so he had appropriate suspicion. He was like, you "Should try to get this guy on the program to." you know, find out who this guy is that's doing this stuff. And he sent me some of the some of the articles and what have you. Uh, always fascinating. I appreciate that we had a lot of people uh, dial in to ask questions. Uh, that is that is what we should be doing, uh, dialing, or excuse me, questioning white people about racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works. Uh, we will take a quick commercial break. Uh, and then if folks have any uh, quick thoughts that they would like to get in, we should have time uh, for folks to do so. Thanks, everybody, for being uh I think everybody was efficient with their questions. We didn't have a lot of speechifying. Right to the question, get right to the point. Grand job. Hooray, everybody. We were able to, we were able to get everybody who had a question and even the folks who uh, wrote questions in via email. Great job. Great job. Great job. Hopefully we can all get better at doing so as we proceed. Quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Context of white supremacy. We'll be back uh, tomorrow book study session same time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific uh this weekend for the compensatory call-in 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific uh we might uh i'm trying to balance things out uh, we'll have to see how things go uh leo muhammad uh folks you remember him uh, he's been on the program 
many times. We had him on uh, quite a few times when the whole uh, London riots uh, took place in 2011. We had him on the program in 2010. He's been on repeatedly. Great uh, guest. A lot of constructive information. I think a lot of our get, uh, a lot of our listeners uh, are big fans of Mr. Muhammad. Uh, but he is, uh, and he's in uh, the UK. He's in England. Uh, he is a Muslim. Uh, he's been a supporter of the Nation of Islam for a long time. He's talked about it when he's on the program. He's going to be coming to the States to attend the Justice or Else March. Um, I spoke with him. I didn't know he was going to be here. I was just trying to get him on the program. To, I figured he would be following it. I had no idea he was going to be in the States. Uh, so he says um, either we can wait and have him on the program once he gets back to England, which is like the middle of next week and he can give up the, give us the update what he saw at the uh, events this weekend and everything or we can you know try and see if we can make the schedules work and have him come on the program uh saturday uh at some point after the events have concluded and he can kind of give us an update what he saw how things transpired which i thought would be you know spectacular to hear uh live that day and, and it's always good to talk to mr muhammad so we'll have to see how that works out saturday is the compensatory call-in and um you know we've been doing that for a long time and i know a lot of people look forward to that whether they participate or not so uh we'll still do that i'm just trying to figure out how to accommodate both because i figured you all would want to hear from uh mr Muhammad, you know, and particularly with the with the events going on that day. So we'll see how that works out. And hopefully we can hear from him Saturday, if not, you know, a little bit down the road. Quick commercial right back. Context of white supremacy. Here's the saying, just buckets and buckets of words. Hey, there we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Buckets and buckets. Well, I was going to play the individual clip, but <laughs> all taken care of, all taken care of. Uh, so gave the rundown. We will hope, pray whatever you're into, um, that uh, Leo Muhammad can hang out with us uh, Saturday evening. But I, that is going to be a, a head-scratcher to accommodate the compensatory call-in and uh, him. I'll, I'll figure it out, hopefully. if uh, Maybe he'll come in later in the evening. If he keeps late hours, maybe he can hang out after the call-in. Or, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be that's gonna be tough. Anyway, um, so, yeah, we'll be on. I think we should be here Sunday as well. Uh, Lashes had... Uh, Another white person. Uh, he uh, was a former, uh, quote unquote, neo-Nazi. He should be here on Sunday. He's allegedly reformed uh, now. He should be here on uh, Sunday, uh, normal broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Moving forward. Uh, before I get to the folks, if you all have any uh, comments you'd like to share, thank you again for being efficient uh, with your questions and, and not doing a lot of statement making and speechifying. Um this, I think, might be the best illustration when I have talked about it. And I, I think this is a rarity because normally when I have talked about white people who will couch their conversation, their analysis of racism, white supremacy, they'll couch it in the concepts of a black person, a non-white person. And so then... If you disagree, if anything of it, if any aspect of it is false, well, hey, this black person over here said this. So it's kind of you're, you end up being in conflict indirectly with another black person. These are not my views. This is such and such as views. So, I mean, it, it really, in my view, is a very effective means because white people, they can go and grab any non-white person. Most of the time it's dead. I've said consistently they will take uh, I've 
won't give out names. <laughs> I've named names in the past, but they will find a non-white person that's dead. And frequently they will take some aspect. And this could be a non-white person who did all they could, who was working as sincerely as they possibly could to try to solve this problem. And all of us are confused, myself included. I'll take myself. They could wait till Gus is dead. Right. And then come take some aspect of my views of racism, white supremacy that is incorrect, that they know is incorrect. <laughs> they will go and present that. And so, hey, this is Gus T. Renegade. What are you? The legend. He did the cows right after I'm dead, of course. Legend. That nigga. I mean, that great guy. He did the program. Blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? They will do it in this manner to make it very difficult if what they're saying is incorrect. Hey, this is not me. This is such and such. I've said this before. This is one of the few times where it's a black person that is still alive. <laughs> they're doing this and where it's the totality of what is being presented is couched in, hey, this is such and such his argument. This is such and such his argument. It is amazing. I think it is a very refined technique of racism, white supremacy. Uh, you, we've heard, we've had other demonstrations, but I think this might be the, uh, the best example, the prototype, if you will, for this technique, in my view, of practicing racism, white supremacy, uh, where, and, and some of the things that he said, I think even the call in Florida says some of the things that he said, yes, accurate. A lot of the things that he said, not at all. And I think a lot of times, and I think a lot of the listeners pointed this out, the people that called in with questions, him not answering questions, uh, just simple questions, uh, taking so much effort to get an answer to. A lot of times he did not answer the question. I think that happened a lot with uh, some of my questions as well. But major uh, patterns. Uh, I was hopeful. I don't know if he's with us or not. The male in Florida who saw this guy to begin with, I was hoping that uh, he could chime in to participate to see, you know, because he saw this guy, I think, in person to kind of see what he saw and then how that matches up with what he heard on the program. Anywho, I will hush. Uh, if folks have uh, comments, thoughts that, you know, you would like to share, feel free. There are a lot of people on the line, so if you could kind of watch the background noise, that would be uh, appreciated if you could meet your line. If, you know, you know you're in a loud area or if you got other things going on, people zooming in and what have you, that would be super helpful. But all the people that uh, dialed in with a hand up, uh, feel free if you have uh, commentary. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Gus, I think you hit the nail on the head, the proverbial nail on the head. Um, I, he, he reminded me of a refined white supremacist version of Malcolm X, the way Malcolm X, when he was in the nation, used to say, well, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, I think he must have studied that for probably a thousand hours because that's the same posture that he adopted. And I, I totally understood why the sister came forward earlier and said that she thought he was reading from a script because it just, just starts to sound like that blanket, that blanket response. And it just like exactly what you said. It looks like he studied the non-white person. I think Malcolm X and he latched on to the, the ideology of the group, like you said, led by a non-white person, and that's his approach to everything in order to deflect from the truth. Thank you very much. I need my line. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Uh, I guess we can go in order. Uh, <laughs> I, heard, I heard you too, Thomas, in New York. The other person, uh, if you okay. want to go first, right on. Uh, sure. Not a problem. Thomas, is that okay? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. All right, thank you. Three quick questions. Um, well, three things to address. The uh, first thing is that uh, there was a 
my sister that asked the question of him asking who was more ignorant or more conf- actually more confused about the uh, system of uh, oppression of white supremacy, and he then said that black people are, and because uh, they are, they are more confused because they created it and deliberately made it in order to benefit. So my question to him was that how can people that created it be confused about it? They would have to be experts in it, and he just uh, disregarded the question and said he answered it earlier. Did he answer that question earlier? Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. We went over that. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And and my two my two other things that I would like to address very quickly. Um, second thing, I don't mean to put any fear in anyone, but Gus, I've always wanted to ask you this: Are you are you do you get nervous sometimes about having this show and talking about the things that you talk about? Do you ever think about oh my phone may be tapped? People may know who I am. I may be targeted because I'm just a listener, and I even get those ideas in my head. Um, I've been listening for a long time. This is really like my first time calling. I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. First time caller, yay! That's great. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I I reference uh, Dr. Kenneth O'Reilly's book. He is a suspected race soldier, but whatever. Uh, great information in the text. He's been on the program twice. His uh, First book, uh, Racial Matters, the FBI's Secret File on Black America from 1960, I think it's 1955 to 1971 or 1960 to 1971. Anyway, um, one of the portions of the book, he's talking about the Pro operation, and he says there was a black organization, and I think they had like $30 in the bank. And they had a FBI file. <laughs> they had a Quintel profile, and that just—I mean—he has many very important pieces of information. But that point particularly just struck me as being so profound uh, because, I mean, thirty dollars, and you have a Quintel profile. Uh, so I know we have <laughs> being watched. White people have said uh, as much, uh, and I would suspect everybody that dials in probably has too. Um, that's just. The nature of what it is, they're not any secrets under the system of racism, white supremacy. And uh, the only thing that I would say is that uh, I am, I mean, I do think about it. I mean, that's how the system operates. But racism is war. There are tons of black people who are mauled down, raped, killed, abused, and everything else who never said a word about racism. Therein lies the problem. But yes, I do think about it. But, you know, that's that just comes with the territory. Understand. My last question is that: um, it, it, Is it possible that if some of the listeners are able to personally speak with you off the air? Oh, uh, yes, yes, I reckon. Uh, I'm still curmudgeon, but yes, I reckon that is possible. Uh, if you drop me an email, untiljustice at gmail dot com. Okay, great. Thank you very much, brother Gus. Mm-hmm. Brother again. Uh, anybody yeah. else have uh, comments they were trying to get in? Yes. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, you're supposed to go next. Thank you for remembering Thomas in New York. Yes, uh, man, this was a great show. Um, I love you guys. I love the show. This uh, was just everyone did great. I think uh, asking the right questions. I mean, he was a refined, you know, he was young. I mean, he. He sharpened his tools after this show, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, you made a great point, man. He kept bringing up, you know, he was a student of this this black guy. And, you know, just very good job. I mean, I mean they, they have it mapped out to a T. And um, 
you know, I think everyone just did a great job asking questions. He was thoroughly to be indicted on the show in a very nice, codified way. Um, I have a white person that I, I, I want to send you some information on. He happens to be um, a professor at my wife's um, my wife's Caribbean school. Either way, she was doing a project. She had to listen to some YouTube clips, and she asked me to listen to them with her, and she had to write about it, and it was all about Ferguson and, you know, different things. I thought, until I looked at the, the guy, he was swear he was black. Either way, I, I'm going to send you that information. Um, and um, lastly, I wanted to say, you know, I think this guy, someone's brought up it's a cult. I wouldn't be surprised, man. He probably has access to all the black women or men he wants to to have um, sexual encounters with. Um, just Kate, I'm, I'm glad you read that question. I wrote it because I know he has to, you know, how are you 25, man? You, you know, and you're doing this. You're not. You don't have a job, then this is your job, you know. And, and just for him not answering the questions, just put it all out there. Uh, probably has, um, you know, all types of praise. I'm sure, you know, the white validation, the, the you know, kicks in with all these black people he's around. You know, he's just so great. I mean, I, I could just imagine, man. And um, uh, wherever he's at in Miami. This sounds a lot like, uh, uh, like they said, a cult. Sounding me like the Scientologists. They, they, these, they, some, I think they send these type of people in the places they're about to gentrify. So I will watch out because it's like a, a missionary type thing. You know, send the missionaries in first, you know, and then you come in with the rest. And I'll, and he kept talking about colonialism. That's just how it works. I'll, I'll meet my line. Thank you for taking my call. And great show. Greetings. Can I oh. Oh. Uh, let's get the female caller first. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, I actually recommended the person that came on the program. Oh, right <laughs> on. So I thought that was a male. I get so confused. <laughs> I get so confused. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, the reason why I suggested him was because it was around the time of Crystal Tyler where I got stuck on the Iggy Azalea thing, how she seemed to be pitting, I guess, um, I don't know, trying to do a good white, bad white person thing. <laughs> I came across his Facebook page, like, in January. And so I tried to find it, and then I sent it to you. So I'm just so happy that you were able to get him on the program because <laughs> he was irking me. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm pretty much, like, I agree with, what everybody else said, like, he's managed to throw the black person under the bus, like, which is what I would expect from somebody like him. So if he catches heat for anything that he says or does, he can say, well, it was done under the leadership of this black person. So um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Oh, okay, so you didn't you didn't see him personally, right? You didn't see him like in person. No. Oh, okay. okay. No, he's from my hometown. Um, I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida, and I, you know, I, I just I saw his Facebook page and I decided to to say, hey, let's check out this white person who's saying a lot of, you know, some of the stuff that I've heard from other white people and you know he seems pretty radical and it seems like he'd have other black people around him that would be supporting him and that concerned me so. 
Rightly so. Rightly so. He got his Obama thing into. Uh, yeah. That's something that they uh, they even talked about. My friend, I would have brought that up, but you know, but it, I was glad we talked about the stuff he did. But they, if you all, if anyone interested in doing additional homework, or if you think it would be constructive to have him back, perhaps for a later conversation, uh, they have talked extensively, like doing projects on President Obama. You heard some of that in the questions you were asking, and then they also yeah. have talked about. Uh, Amy Goodman, which is fact, because you know that's my BFF. They've talked about her. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't have time, but, you know, that's maybe uh, for down the road. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Glad we were able to get him on the program to follow up on that. She had to help me get his contact information, and he still found out. He he did know that's important, too. This is one of those guests where I've said before, very, you have to watch the white people who they are aware of the cows. They listen to it. They know about us. You have to watch them very closely uh, because the dynamic changes significantly. If you look at the white people, Crystal Tyler is another one who was aware. Mm -hmm. She had listened to the program. She knew what the definition, everything. She already knew that before she came in. Those white people and how they perform is very different from the white people who come in and have no knowledge of what this program is about. Definitely. And, you know, he's done his research and, um, I can imagine after this program, he's probably going to be refining. And, you know, it's just, I'm just trying to figure out the best ways to, to get this problem solved. And I just recently, within the last year, have been focusing more on white people and their tactics and, um, in particular, how they interact with the whole Barack Obama thing. So I was trying to find a way to get him to, admit that he was maybe pitting black against black. Um, I'm not sure how well I did with that. <laughs> Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, not only should non-white people keep away sexually from white people, we shouldn't have any contact with white people at all, avoid it as much as possible, unless it's something like this, uh, uh, asking, uh, questioning uh, uh, a, a white person about the system of racism and white supremacy. I can see that as being constructive, but otherwise, I mean, because we're, 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 he, he, reminds me, he reminds me of the white people who joined in with Jim Jones, who was actually putting the poison into the Kool-Aid for non-white people. People like this young white male, this young white man has that kind of uh, uh, focus, has that kind of, of, of uh, hypnotic focus, has that kind of hypnotic focus on other non-white people. Simply because he is versed on uh, some aspects of counter-racism, but yet we are not collectively in a standpoint to where as we dig dig beneath the surface and really challenge white people like I've been hearing on this program. Uh, and it's very, a very dangerous relationship uh, as far as I'm concerned with his, his uh, involvement. But who? Freedom to do what? Under the system of race and white supremacy. Freedom to do what? You know, and I noticed, like I said, the first thing that came to my mind was this, 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 he kept, uh, uh, 
rattling off over and over again, African people. African people. That, 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 is, that is a very incomplete, uh, unclear uh, 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 identification of people. You know, I mean, you, 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 you almost couldn't be any unclearer than that. You know, but, but at the same time, I, hear, I did hear him say white people every now and then. And he mentioned something about Europeans. But for the most part, he was mentioning about white people. But, but I'm saying he wasn't saying anything about non-white people at all. And I gave him what I know he understands as a clear example of how confusing that is when I gave the example of, of the Secretary of State's wife who was born in Africa, Mozambique to be exact. And in turn, she came over to this part of the world called the United States and became an American citizen. That made her African-American. So he, he must be talking about her too. And she's a multi-billionaire. And a white person on top of it. You know, so, I mean, very confusing for him to be... I have been involved into... Uh, organized efforts in South Florida, uh, older than he, he is. As far as I can say, that those type of white, I'm used to those type of white people always hanging around non-white people. I don't ever see no situation, what he's talking about, where they're in the company of exclusively white people at all. So I don't think he's honest about that either. All of their contact is primarily is around issues directly involving non-white people uh, continuously being victimized, and in turn, most of the people that's around in these walks, what he's talking about, are, are majority of, of non-white people. I don't see nothing where exclusively where I, I haven't even seen pictures. He got all this technology with cameras and everything else. How come we don't see any videos of these of these uh, sit down meetings with all of these white people, nothing but white people uh, uh, in it, and somebody like him is blasting them in whatever kind of uh, articulate way that he can about uh, quote unquote counter uh, uh, racism? I haven't seen it yet. I mean, if anybody else has seen it, let me know. You know, as far as that's concerned, I haven't seen it myself at all. The only time I see them is when it's something directly involving non-white people. And when you don't answer the question or say something like it's a personal issue, you already answered the question to me. You already answered the question. You either are involved in or you are open to entertain the idea of having sex, sexual contact with non-white people. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Now be heard. If you could speak up, that would be helpful. Yes. Um, I just wanted to hit back on the cult thing. Um, I just imagine this guy probably, you know, in high school, maybe he was rejected by white women or maybe used to get beat up, you know, by the football team or something. And, you know, he decided that he's going to join this African cause. And so he could reap the benefits of, you know, probably having sex with, you know, black women or non-white women in general. And he's just going to follow this for about 10, well, I can't even say that many years, maybe a couple years. You know, white people have their conquests. They just want to, you know, this conquest here, I'm going to be part of this, you know, I'm going to hang out with the niggers for about a couple years, you know, 
um, have sex with um, non-white women. Then I move on to the next thing. So he'll join a, a swingers club next, or he'll you know take on skydiving or take on whatever. But I just think he's part of a cult right now. And ten years later, you you see him doing something totally different. Probably working for Apple or just doing something. Yeah. So this is just a little conquest right now. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Anybody that has not shared, uh, have a comment they wanted to make sure they got in before we wrap things up. Uh, should not uh, dilly-dally or take a lot of time. Anybody who has not shared, have a comment they wanted to get in. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'll, he called back in. Uh, that was, I mean, that was, that was... <laughs> I mean, he called back in, like, I was all going crazy because I thought maybe he'd hang up, you know, because he was saying he had to go. So I was trying to get him to, you know, uh, you know, answer the question before he, you know, you know, went out the, you know, you know, left the program or whatever. And when the line dropped, I was like, I was thinking, like, oh, you know, that's what I was kind of predicting or whatever. Then he called back. And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that 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 that's um, man, that's heavy." I mean, like, here it is. I'm tiptoeing and around, trying not to, you know, confuse non-white people. You know what I mean? Like, is it something that uh, I don't want to do? Is it like, and and then one of the calls was talking about. You know, worrying about our lives being tapped, and then you came with this, with the with the whole point of, you know, people that don't even talk about uh, non-white people don't even talk about racism, the 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 the, the um, you know, the the, the, the like plantation style abuse that they receive, you know what I mean? And for him to just do what he do, able to talk in all of these contradictory um, ways, this stuff is ain't making no sense. But black people, you know, just the mere fact that he's white is going to listen to it. They confuse, but they realize that. So instead of, like, you know, thinking about it, they're just going to accept a lot of times what a white person says. And he, he ain't worried about no repercussions or anything. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. I don't know if he answered my question. I kind of felt like he was. He he said he said he's willing to accept the you know, the, you know if if you know the judgment of you know harsh judgment if he's confusing people and and I just wanted to get that. But you know, man. I mean, like he's he he, he had no shame, man. I mean, even like I said, he called back in and. Um, Everything, nothing he was saying was making sense. I mean, he's just he's just involving himself in black people's lives, life and death. And black people get it. I mean, they got they got diseases, man. I mean, it's just like the kids is, is getting shot, going to the hospital, ambulance. I mean, this is a lot of crazy stuff going on. And he, he you know, he's just uh, confusing black people, man. It's, it's I don't know, man. It's I just hope that he, you know. I hope he ain't got nothing to say, man, when 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 his time comes, man. You know what I'm saying? Talking about he's got to, I don't know what he's doing. I, said, I hope soon he said he got to go. 
I mean, I hope sooner than later, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> sooner than later, man. Like, that's the last thing we need. You know, these white people, man. They just they don't care, man. They play with they play with us, man. Like we we they play with our lives, man. And that's um that's wicked. That's mad wicked, man. You know, and and like I said, if you are responsible, if you're a non-white person, black. I know for myself, man, I'm trying. My, I don't want to say nothing wrong. I've already confused black people. I've been confused. We confused, so we kind of, you know, take a little bit off of ourselves because we know we've been miseducated and, 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 and you know, we've been abused all our lives. So, you know, we don't know uh, what we're doing half the time. But um, it's just uh, that 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 that's that's that's. that's that's evil, man. If if you know if if you guys want to, I mean, if that's you know, that's evil, straight up. I, it's evil, man, to 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 do, to to do that to play people's lives and knowing that the consequence is going to be a horrible death and a horrible life, a living hell for them people, man. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I hope he. I don't know, man. So I just I just thank you for the um, program, man. I hope black people step up, man. Step the step up with your knowledge you got to be reading uh pam kept talking um self-esteem uh the last program self-esteem 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 there's a book called the six um it's called the six pillars of self-esteem yeah man i, I recommend that uh you know uh that that that, that the black people you know that you know that you read that as soon as possible um, you know, you you know, you can't do two things at one time, man. You know, watching TV, man, you start zoning out like that's three hours or four hours or something like that. I don't watch, but I'm just knowing that, like, I know people that watch TV, they can watch TV for five hours or so like that. Just doing that is is taking away from you reading and getting an understanding and getting a knowledge that's that's so critical that you, that 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 we need. You know what I mean? So you know, you're making a choice, man, and I. I, I I don't know, man. It's starting to it's starting to be separated from like good and good and good and evil or something like that. Like like you you just you just you just, just I don't know. I don't want to go that far, but you know you making your choice right there. You know what I'm saying for real? Because you don't know nothing. You don't. I, I don't know. Let me. I don't know. We need to be reading more, 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 and 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 use use those uh you know use those uh your interests. And get into it, whatever your interest, and use those words, and and whatever it is that you heard, you really don't understand, and and get into it, man. You don't have time to be doing anything, uh, uh, you know, instead of fighting this war, man. Because you know, people are dying, suffering, real hard, hardcore. Right on, uh, caller in Michigan. Did you have uh, commentary you wanted to share? Um, may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I just want to thank the female caller in Florida for um, finding, uh, or stumbling across this, the guest that you had, and for um, Gus for having him on. I thought that he, um, I mean, it was just interesting. His his whole time on the program was, um, in my opinion, was just to com- practice more confusion. Um, the name of the organization, the African, what is the, what was the name of it? African? African People's Solidarity Committee. 
Okay, so the African People's Solidarity Committee, when I hear that as a non-white person, I automatically just think it's an organization of black people or non-white people. And so for him to come on this program and explain that these are white people, all white people so-called, in this organization, I was like, okay, bingo, this is pure confusion, and that's his goal. Um, and then someone asked, or I don't know if it was you, Gus, who asked how many people were in the organization. How many, you know, give us a number. He refused to answer how many white people are in this organization. Well, that was very suspect. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And um, he, you know, I just look at him as um, just, when he's, they don't have a facility, so he's, you know, one of those individuals on the side of the street just trying to get attention. This, he's young. I can see, you know, I have a son that's in college, and he tells me all the time how they just have all kind of people show up on campus trying to recruit them for this, recruit them for that, and, you know, they're, there's just all kind of weird people or just people in general just pushing whatever rhetoric they want to push, and so... Um, it's just interesting because like the previous caller that just, uh, gave a comment, you know, a couple of years from now, he'll just get over it and then go back into the white community and continue practicing racism. This is just a, just something he's doing and white, black people, you know, his, what he's doing, um, confusing black people, it reminds me of the white killer that went into the church um, in Charleston and how they were not suspicious of him. And that's how he was allowed to actually sit down with them for over an hour. Um, you know, there's no suspicion. So this guy is another example of that. Um, and I just think that is really, it's, he's dangerous. And I'm just so thankful that you uh, got him on the program because this is a program that I'll be listening to again in the archives just over and over again to just study. Um, this whole program, the cows, is really something that I study and I am just appreciative of and also so thankful of all those archives because I don't watch TV. I have no time to watch TV. I consume myself with just trying to learn how to be less confused. And um, I thought this show tonight was very constructive. So thank you to the female caller for doing your research, and um, thank you to Gus for having this um, joke on the program. <laughs> That's it. Right on, right on. No joke. Uh, the caller at 3358, did you have uh, commentary? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm uh, glad you had him on the show, too. Uh, I mean, he's, he wants to be a revolutionary, uh, but he has no interest in justice. I mean, his interest in justice, it was, it was contradictory. He says he's not, he's not religious, but, you know, I'm like, uh, well, justice is religion. You have to be really involved in knowing good from bad, and how everybody's affected. So how are you going to come around here and talk about 
handing out justice. And um, not including, you know, at least a 10-point plan or <laughs> what you're going to do or how are you going to do this and how are you going to prevent other white people to get on board, especially those that were veterans of this country and, and watch their friends who were veterans die for this country and the Constitution to be uh, so-called, you know, to the oath to protect. You, you, you want to burn that, and now you don't want to burn it, but, you know, you're not really interested in, in dealing with that. And then you, you want to talk about your time with the Mau Mau. Well, you know, now we're talking about the British and their Magna Carta. Now, you have a lot of things that you got to deal with. And it's the white person. You know, he he seems to be very organized on uh, knowing how to attack certain situations, but you don't you don't have a ten point plan. I mean, the Black Panthers had had that, and, and we 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 know how unorganized through through a sort of secure uh, her view of how unorganized they really were when it came down to dealing with white people who are. Super organized. I mean, they got this stuff down, and you're going to you're you're part of this group. And, and what are you what are you bringing to the table for this group? What are you bringing to the table to deal with the the laws that are in place that create what white people are? And you know, what is your plan to usurp that? Just to march around? You don't you got to bring something more than that. You're gonna to have to show us or show so called other white folk not only what they already know, but you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to bring it uh, to the point where how immoral this is, which they already know, and what's the benefit? of doing this, which they already know what the benefit is. They don't get none. They're going to be on the bottom. Uh, like Dr. Wilson says, they're outnumbered. They're doing this for a reason. There's no benefit for them to provide justice. And, and, and when you keep, you know, the other brother, uh, uh, who brought it up, but but the, the issue about uh, African-American, you know, all African people, I mean, who are you talking about? You can't even identify yourself as a white person. You can't identify what black people are. You have no definitions, of, no accurate definitions of what any of this stuff is to know who, what, and when, and where. And we're talking about statuses. So we, you, you have absolutely no idea of what he, what's his real true stance is. And what he's prepared to do. Hmm. Uh, Hank Tight, uh, he did identify himself as a as a white person. He did identify uh, at the very beginning of the program. He did identify himself as white. No, I meant by I, what I mean by my definition of it, by what a definition of it is, and and okay. and, and right, just the same confusion we got with the African American, the black. We don't know what these definitions are really, truly. 
Right on. We have other people that uh, I want to make sure we got at least yeah. one, per- one other person that we got in. Um, did, is there anybody that has not been able to share? It's probably be our uh, last comment. Anybody who has not been able to comment at all? Hello, yes, sir. Uh, your volume is very low. If you could speak up, please. Can you hear me now? That is better. Um, I just uh, caught the tail end of the, converse, uh, the conversation. I didn't actually hear the guest, but I did hear um, talking about uh, watching TV, and I would like to recommend a book if anybody has uh, heard of it, if that would be okay. Yes, sir. Uh, it's called The Savage City. It's by uh, TJ English. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, it was just posted on my Facebook page earlier this week. Okay. It's a, uh, it's a book about uh, New York City in the 60s. Uh, it's about the Black Panthers, the NYPD, corruption. It's a very interesting read. So, as you said, if we're not going to be watching TV, then I think that would be very constructive for people to read on their own time if they get a chance. I am stunned this many people could uh, pull themselves away from scandal and how to get away from how to get away with murder and all the other juicy Thursday night offerings to uh, chime in and ask questions of a wife. I guess they got TiVo, so people probably probably can go watch it now. Anyway, um, we uh, will be back tomorrow and uh, 8 p.m., 5 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Um the book club, Katrina after the flood, Gary Rivlin, compensatory calling. I guess uh, hopefully we'll get clarity on all that about Leo Muhammad. I am excited if he's going to be directly at the Justice or Else events and, you know, he can give us an update uh, right out the back. But uh, I'm not sure how that will work out with the compensatory call-in. But as soon as I figure it out, we will let folks know. But that should be going down Saturday, and then we should have another white person uh, with us on Sunday. Uh, thanks for the folks who participated. I hope it was constructive. Uh, this, you know, you think would aid non-white people in getting a better understanding of what racism is and how it works. Uh, share. I think it's very important that we question white people. I did want to say that this is this is another one. I think when we had J. Love uh, Calderon on the program uh, in 2013, uh, I think I said during that broadcast if we had had uh, if we had done that program like in person. And with like a predominantly black audience, uh, I think we would have been mauled by the victims present because uh, going after a white person, when you're just asking questions, you don't, you know, we didn't, I don't think anybody here was rude. Everyone was very courteous and just ask logical questions of a white person, which he agreed they should, we should be suspicious of white people. Um, But I think just the confusion and the way that we've been brain trashed and victimized, a lot of times we Uh, have been programmed to do the exact opposite and to defend white people. And I think this is another one of those programs. If we had done this live and in person, particularly if we had had some of the black members of this group, oh, man, I think they would have uh, staunchly, uh, vehemently attacked us and defended uh, Mr. Neville uh, during the broadcast. Like, oh, man, I can't even imagine. I I suspect even uh, if they listen to this program uh, that there could be some of that that's just the sort of thing that i have have seen consistently i know it happened with tim uh timothy wise we had him on the program and and some others incidentally they had written about i think you heard some of it during the course of the dialogue he and i think some of the other white folks they had written about timothy wise and and challenging him and you know he's why i think he said some of that on the program uh and i think he was looking for a chance that we could just uh gang up on timothy 
talk about what a, a whack white guy he is, although I've already given my opinion about Timothy don't drink the Kool-Aid wise, uh, I am not going to buddy up and pal up with another white person and be like, oh, that white person is whack, and we can be cool and pretend that you are not racist while we talk about how bad this other white person is. That sort of thing, I really try to uh, avoid doing that because white people love that sort of thing where they can just gang up and throw a different white person under the bus where it takes the focus off of them. Uh, the final comment, I think uh, some of the people were like, you know, are there any photos or images where it's just him like exclusively with white people? They do have uh, pictures. If you go to the website, the AhuruNews.com, they do have pictures where you can see him, some of the other white people that are in uh, the Florida, uh, the St. Petersburg uh, branch of this group. Um, but it was like five white people. I might, you know, have missed one. Let's say it was 10. Fine. So it was 10 white people. I mean, what are the, even assuming that they are, you know, not racist, which is total folly, but even let's say for just argument's sake that they're not there, you know, for real trying to, to do something about this. Okay. It's 10 of them. <laughs> like what are 10 white people going to do that have no resources, no funding? You get white rapists and white killers can get more money and resources than you all can. So, I mean, that right there is letting me know a lot about how effective you all are going to be. And like I said, I have concluded that this is not the case that Mr. Neville and these other white folks, I don't, I don't know why well, I do at least know one of the other person, uh, Penny Hess. I think some of our listeners know who that is. Um, these other white folks, they are not sincerely against racism, white supremacy. In my opinion, I think these are some of the most refined, some of the most dangerous white folks on the planet uh, who go in exactly as I think a lot of people have already pointed out, just to confuse, obfuscate, lead black people astray. Jim Jones, Dr. Welsing just mentioned Jim Jones. I don't think she said it on the program, but when I spoke with her off the air before she came back this past weekend, uh, she was just again talking about <clears throat> Jim Jones and the importance of being uh, suspicious because white people come in, they infiltrate and man, they uh, just lead us right to destruction every time. Uh, anywho, we'll be back tomorrow. It was great. Uh, thanks everyone for being uh, efficient, getting your questions in. I uh, hope it was a constructive investment of your Thursday evening. Have oof, I hope folks are not going to tune in to all the nonsense and just click the TV on. Find something constructive to do. Lots of great material we could be working on reading. Just in the end, we have so many problems. I'm sure it's uh, something better we could be doing with our time and energy. Invest if you think the program is constructive. Racism-notes.blogspot.com Listener-supported counter-racist radio paypal button is in the top right corner and if you're not into paypal you can drop an email if you uh would like prefer a physical mailing address uh, if you have questions gripes complaints um any other craziness that you want to email or let me know about feel free drop an email until justice at gmail.com and i have uh, on twitter at until justice uh thank you again uh remain codified at all times uh we definitely buckle up every time you get behind the seat uh behind the vehicle get in the vehicle uh just simple thing that we can do to minimize contact with enforcement officers race soldiers certainly under a system of white terrorism sobriety would be 
best. Uh, it's one of the worst decisions that we can make uh, to be intoxicated behind the wheel, intoxicated around white people, even around white people and alcohol together. It's a horrendous combination. Uh, even be mindful about being around non-white people that are under the influence. It's just there's too many examples of uh, just easily avoidable problems uh, ruining our lives and causing us a lot of unnecessary stress as a result of alcohol or other intoxicants that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Context to white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.